take to Anthony Richard to Bulkless. The Bruins score. Bulkless follows. Bulkless to Brazil. Welcome back to the Something's Brewing Podcast, episode 80. Episode 80. 80. The 80. Daniel Vladar episode. Oh, Calgary Flames legend. They picked the wrong goalie. <laughs> hey, as always, brought to you in partnership with the one and only Primetime Productions. Give them a follow on Twitter at Primetime Prods. Um, give our Twitter account for the show on Twitter a follow at I'm brewing something no g at the end um Are you drunk yeah no dude i did a long day at work today um obviously most of you who are listening know that i work work for the post office um work for uncle sam we had yesterday off president's day celebrating all the presidents you know george washington's birthday that whole shebang um so everything today was that was held up yesterday was delivered today including today's mail so it was a doubled up tuesday and boy, oh boy, did I have a whole long day. Let me ask you a question. Right yes. off the rip, right who's off the your rip. favorite? Who's your favorite president? My favorite president of all time. Yeah, it's gotta be ah uh, JFK, dude. JFK is my favorite president. You know, I, for so many reasons, dude. So I was many gonna, reasons. Mine has always been Lincoln. I, I was going to say him too. It feels like everybody's favorite president is just a guy who got assassinated. It's always like JFK or <laughs> Lincoln. And hey, that's kind of where the list ends. I mean, dude, what does that say about... There's been two other ones who got assassinated. I always forget who the other ones are. No, 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 no. They're the only two who got assassinated. I'm pretty no. sure. No. Dude, did, well, Gerald Ford, didn't he get shot? And he survived it because he's a G. Oh, that Theodore was Teddy Roosevelt. Roosevelt. No, Teddy Roosevelt got shot and he survived it. And at his, it was at a speech and he finished the speech. And I think he said, it's going to take more than that to kill a bull moose. And that fucking fires me up, baby. Could you imagine? Like, I don't want to make light of the situation, but I mean, it was over a hundred years ago. Could you imagine the noise he made? Oh, oh. <laughs> Speech. So we stand for it. Take more than that to kill me. No, there's been um, there's been four sitting presidents who have been assassinated: Abraham Lincoln, James James Garfield, William McKinley, and JFK. 
Additionally, two presidents have been injured in attempted assassinations. Teddy Roosevelt, which we just talked about, and Ronald Reagan. I did Reagan. know about the Ronald Reagan one. He also had the famous one where the balloon popped and he was like, yes. this me. Yeah, just, dude. Just baller stuff from the former just actor, huh? Perfect comedic timing, too. Damn, That's did, did not expect. Listen, last week I found out the queen died. This week I'm, we're finding out who <laughs> each other's favorite presidents are. <laughs> I, 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 I just listened to that. I, I went back and listened to that episode, specifically seeking out the part where like you were like genuinely befuddled that the queen died and then your reasoning was so pure oh it was my birthday (laughs) i know well well, that was the reason dude and seriously i i mean i'm weirdly enough too because like you and i are both history buffs right we're we're pretty up to date with current events i literally must have missed that because i was you know celebrating my birthday (laughs) it was four days after your birthday you were still riding high that was right when you're that was your um well that was Oh, that was your 25th birthday. So you get a pass because your frontal lobe wasn't fully developed yet. Fair. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> had, she, had she died in, uh, in 2023, my God, you probably would have wrote a thesis paper on it or something. I mean, the for sure. It's like, I don't remember what that movie is, but it's like when you unlock 100% of your brain. What was that with like ScarJo or something? That's like as soon as, as soon as you, when you turn 26, now you're just... Mathematic equations floating in the air. <laughs> yeah, for sure, dude. If it was twenty, if I was twenty six when that happened, I would have been in, you know, the queen's garb, you know, the the, the guard, and wearing the big hat, playing the trumpet or something, playing the queen's march. I don't know what I'm saying, dude. Listen, this is not our, listen. This is not our strong suit right now. But um, the only thing more disappointing than me not knowing that dear queen elizabeth died is that the bruins just went two three and two on their homestand uh that was a not good win, by the way not good yeah that was bullshit i mean they looked like dog water too they uh shut out by washington a shootout loss to tampa four to one losses things were looking good against seattle or one nothing lead here's four unanswered for you uh, overtime loss to LA. At least, I mean, at least they had a nice shootout win against Dallas, but it only took Jeremy Swayman having 230 saves in order to pull <laughs> that out. Um, yeah, really disappointing, especially after the All-Star break. Uh, you know, I mean, there were times, especially coming into the All-Star break, it seemed like the Bruins were kind of skidding and limping. They had uh, they had that one stretch earlier this year where they had like three wins over an 11-game span because they lost like four. They, they couldn't win a game when it went into overtime. They still can't win a game when it goes into overtime. They lost a shootout game and an overtime game. I know they beat Dallas in a shootout the other day, but coming out of the All-Star break, I was hoping that they would, you know, ride high you know we've had a, a week off to get ourselves right and by god it all started with that just shit bump performance against the calgary flames and it just kind of spiraled from there yeah dude i mean jake debrusque kind of missing again don't know where jake debrusque is um derek forbert we don't even have to really expand on him because oh my good god i mean <laughs> i think it was the game against dallas and I was watching and I literally it was it was the it was Dallas's third goal late kind of late in the third where they took the lead. Derek Forbert, there's a thing there's there's a thing called pinching in hockey. As everybody knows, we know, people listening know, everybody knows. You the defenseman pinches, the forward covers. That's you know, um just common practice in hockey. 
when you pinch, you don't end up in the corner of the <laughs> offensive zone. Derek Forber, with about nine minutes left, jumps the blue line, ends up in the offensive corner. Nobody's covering his position, and McAvoy ends up on a defending a two-on-one where Dallas scores. Derek Forber is, has got about the same speed as Yertle the Turtle back in whenever the <laughs> hell that was. If he pinches, don't go below the dot. Whatever. He's in the corner, and you everyone could see that coming. Matt Grizzlick with a terrible giveaway to Joe Pavelski. Luckily, Jeremy Swayman pulls out the Superman cape and, and makes the save. But this team, if you continue on with Matt Grizzlick and Derek Forbert on your left side, not to mention now, Hampus Lindholm is injured. Um, Mason Laurier is back up. Hell yeah. Again, that kind of comes at, at the loss of Hampus Lindholm. Nope, we don't know how long that he's going to be out for. But if you're rolling with Matt Grizzlick, Derek Forbert, and Mason Lorai as your left pairing defenseman, mind you, Mason Lorai is probably the best out of that group. And he's however many years old, 22, rookie. If you're rolling those three into the playoffs, good luck fucking I, – I, I'm hesitant to say it, but pack it up. See you next year. We'll start over. That It's not going to be good. Dude, it's been it's been absolutely brutal. And at least like, you know, for some defensemen, if they pinch at the wrong time or if they like over overstep or overplay or make a wrong read, you would hope that they could be able to get back into the play. But my God, like by the time the other team's already gone down and scored, like Derek Forbert is in line at the bathroom. Like he still hasn't <laughs> even turned around yet. He doesn't even know what's going on. Like he is just so slow. So painfully slow. He's making bad giveaways, just bad reads in the defensive end. And there's it, there's, there's times when him and Matt Grizzlick are entirely unplayable, entirely unplayable. At least like Matt Grizzlick has shown you in the past what he can do, at least like offensively. Yeah. He's always at times been a bit of a lost cause defensively, especially in front of the net. But like Derek Forbert, like what are you getting from him? Like seriously, like he, he doesn't bring you any offense. He he's feeder in cement in the defensive zone. He he's turning the puck over like physicality. He hasn't even really been doing much of that lately. Zero. Like, what are like uh, like like I want to sit down Don Sweeney and ask him like what why like why is he continuously in this lineup? Especially when you have and I'm happy that Laura is getting called up. It sucks that it's at the expense of Hampus Lindholm getting hurt. But like, my God, like, how can you watch Derek Forbert, especially like when he came back from his injury that I don't remember who they were playing his first game back from his injury. Like, honest to God, one of the worst hockey games I've ever seen from a player. Like he was there was like like the first three or four goals of the game. I think he was out for every single one. And like like in Twitter, Twitter was hilarious. I, I've never been more happy to be like on Bruce Twitter because like it was there's listen, there's so much division today in this country and in the world and everywhere. And it's just nice for everybody to come together and collectively share an opinion. And that opinion is like, oh, my God, does Derek Forbert suck? Like he is so bad. Yeah, I mean, people are you're seeing this, 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 the, the, the seeds of unity begin to come together. We are uniting against a common enemy, and that yeah. common enemy is wearing number twenty eight in the black and gold. Derek, Derek Forbert. <laughs> I was gonna never mind, but what the f- like, dude? Honestly, like you said, Matt Grizzlick 
And I, this is why I've always said, like, I don't want people to think that I'm like, I hate him because I don't hate him. He, he, when he's on his game, he's good. And up until this year, he's been more than okay. He's been good, but something about this season, somebody responded to me because I posted that giveaway that he made against Dallas on Twitter. And I was, I said, people ask me why I'm so hard on Matt Grizzly. Well, here you go. Somebody responded to me. I had the audacity to respond and say, oh, you only post his bad clips. Why don't you post a good one? So I responded to him, said, from this year, show me one and I will gladly and happily <laughs> post it. Nothing. Silence. Absolutely nothing. Because there isn't any. And I wish that wasn't the case because I like Matt Grizzlick. His story is awesome. Um, partners with uh, Charlie McAvoy and BU. Um, his dad famously makes the best ice in the NHL. At Wait, the is his Garden. dad? I don't know. His dad works for the for the for the Garden. He, he does. He's, he's the, the president. He's the he's yeah, dude. He's the president of the TD Garden Ice Club. President of the yeah, uh, president. Of the, <laughs> president of the ice. <laughs> Actually, President's Day wasn't a celebration of George Washington's birthday. President's Day was a celebration of Matt Grizzly's dad being the president of the TD Garden Bull Gang. <laughs> <laughs> you you make a good point though, because like I really like I'm I'm struggling to think of because at least like Hampus Lindholm, he's had mo like obviously he's had plenty of people have been very vocal on Twitter. He's had moments this year where he hasn't looked like the Hampus Lindholm of late, but then he's able to turn that around for a stretch or two. And even when he's not playing up to his capabilities, he's still an effective player. Maybe it's unfair on Matt Grizzly to compare him to Hampus Lindholm. But like my God, I was like I was a fierce defender of Matt Grizzly, and I have been for pretty much the entire year. I mean, yeah. I, there were there were people who in the offseason were saying that we should trade Grizzly, and you know I think that there was definitely a case to be said. But I think that they were saying to trade him because he sucks, not because like of his contract, which I think was a total wrong reason to trade Grizzly. I mean, I guess it doesn't matter if you end up trading a player, but still. And like going into this year, like he was definitely struggling to start the season, but it was like you never know, like you know, he like broke his foot or whatever to end last. Like he's had, he's had injuries in the past. I don't know. That was forward who broke his foot either way. He said injuries in the past. You never know. Maybe he's dealing with ailments. Everybody is, or maybe he's just trying to find his groove. I mean, at that time, the whole defensive unit was kind of every game. It was like, Oh my God, I don't know who we're going to get from a unit here. Are they going to play good? Or are they going to suddenly just forget how to play hockey? And, um, I mean, we're now past the all-star break and it's a pretty healthy sample size here of what you had from Matt Grizzlick this year. And it's weird because like this Matt Grizzlick that we've had for the last couple of months hasn't been the Matt Grizzlick that he's been his entire career. And right. like, and I compare it to Hampus Lindholm in the sense that like Hampus Lindholm took a step back from where he was last year. He's still a top four defenseman. He's still elite defenseman. Matt Grizzlick took a step back from where he was last year and he's horrible. <laughs> like he is so bad. And like, there are moments where like he's able to, you know, make a, a good play in the zone or like he's able to do something, but like, you shouldn't be celebrating that. Like you shouldn't right. like happy that Matt Grizzlick made a play that he's been able to make his entire career. And it's a play like you just mentioned, like the, the God awful turnover against the Dallas stars and like just his inability to like, hit his partner on a, on a, on a D to D pass. Like you and I were serving up in our men's league game last night. It's just, it's just like, it's, it seems like there's like uh, something about his game. Like, I don't know if he's looking about a contract and he's like overplaying, he's trying to get that money or I, I don't know what it is, but yeah. like he's, he's been terrible this year and having him and Derek Forbert in the same lineup has been just a, a black hole at times this year on that left side. Yeah. And it's, it's unfortunate to see too, because <sighs> 
I want Matt Grizzlick to do well. Derek Forbert's a different case. I, I think he's just a lost cause, to be honest with you. But Matt Grizzlick isn't. Like, we've seen him throughout his career have these electric moments, offensive wizardry, right? Yes, like you said earlier, defensively, he's always been kind of wishy-washy, but he makes up for it on the offensive end, his breakouts, his his passing. He makes up for it in other areas. But since those areas have lacked so much this year, it just exposes all parts of his game. And I don't want this to be taken as, you know, Matt Grizzick sucks. He needs to go like trade him because he sucks. That's not the reasoning. It's get rid of him right now because you still have him under contract. You need to free up some money. He has more value than Derek Forbert. I'm sure other teams see the value in Matt Grizzick in, in his however many years that he's he's played in the NHL. He's been good. He's been a top four defenseman. It's just that this year isn't working. And you're not going to resign him next year. I would be shocked if they do. So you might as well, even if it's a late round pick, get a fifth, get a sixth, free up the money, bring that free up the money to bring up Lori Beecher. Um, shout out to uh, Justin Brazo, by the way, um, just a beast. But I mean, yeah, heading into the playoffs, this is not, you know, a, a situation that you want to have to deal with heading into these late season games and and potentially into playoffs. Yeah, and I was still like on the on the ship of, um, like you know you know wait until the trade deadline gets closer, see if Matt Grizzlick turns it around because if you're like you're gonna need him in the playoffs, like yes. you, like especially on that left side, like you need him to be the Matt Grizzlick that he's always been. And like at the time, like look what they did with the brusque. He sucked shit for the first two months. He could not score. He could not pick up points, but they kept on playing him given he did have a couple benches here and there, but they played him and it unlocked him. And suddenly he was on like a four game goal streak and he was picking up points left and right. And I know he's in a bit of a skid now, but they just kind of let the player work through it. And I was hoping that they would do that with Matt Grizzlick. And I think that they've given him every opportunity to, he just hasn't responded. Like he isn't turning it around. He's still making boneheaded decisions. He's still struggling at this point in the season. We're now in the middle of February, just as much as he was at the beginning of the season. And like, you can't like when you're in the, playoffs and every single puck possession matters every pass matters every overtime game every you know three three game going into the like you need every single point and if you have two defensemen who can't even get a breakout going if you have two defensemen who are constantly out of position if you have two defensemen who uh, are you know sailing passes to the other team two defensemen who are making the wrong read making the wrong pinches and on top of that they're both playing on the left side like that you're not going to win like that is a recipe for disaster. And um, so if they can, I mean, I would love to know what they could get from Matt Grizzlick. I think you're definitely right. He has more value than Derek forward. I mean, shit, like if the Bruins had a team dog, that would have more value than Derek forward at this point. They do. Darla. Darla. Yeah. Honestly, that's what teams are trading for. Derek forward's just attached. Um, yeah, but no, I, I wanted to see if he could work through it. I think he got the opportunity to do it. He's still struggling. So if they were to trade Matt Grizzlick, uh, you know, I understand. I just, if you trade Grizzlick and you trade Forbert, part of me is still like, I, I like Mason Laura. I really do. I don't think they ever should have sent him down. I think he should have been playing in this lineup this entire time over Derek Forbert, which isn't really saying much for being honest, but there's part of me that still worries about, you know, in the playoffs because the playoff hockey is just 
different. It's a different mm-hmm. element. It's a different animal, especially for a young defenseman. And, you know, I have all the faith in the world that Mason Lawrence is going to be a fantastic hockey player, but do you want to like, how much do you trust him logging heavy minutes if he has to in the playoffs as a 23 year old rookie with like 35 games of experience? I mean, I don't know. And I think that's where, you know, um, uh, I, I mean, I, again, I don't think Forbert has any any value there because he sucked in the playoffs last year. But I think, you know, Grizzly has value there where he's been battle tested. He's been been through long playoff series before. Um, but if you were to move forward and Grizzly, you need a defenseman like you need somebody to play that left side. You need somebody who's uh, a top four D to come in here because, you know, they're going to need them come playoffs. Yeah. And just to ho- kind of hop on to that before we jump off the subject, I don't think the answer this year is Noah Hannafin. I think you can explore that come free agency. Um, granted that the team who does trade for him doesn't also sign him to an extension. That would be rather heartbreaking. But um, I don't know. I don't think you. I don't think you have the assets within the organization to pull off that trade and outbid other teams without overpaying. Um, if if you know he's been linked to Tampa, he's been linked to Florida, he's been linked to. A ton of teams. All those teams can outbid you, and they probably will if it comes down to it. So for Hannafin, are you willing to lose a guy like Lysel? Are you willing to lose a guy like Berkulov, um, Johnny Beecher? Probably not. You don't have draft picks to give up either, so you kind of have to just roll with the punches and accept you know, that he's probably getting dealt elsewhere this year. Um, yeah. Yeah, and like, and I'm I'm with you. Like, I'm okay with that. I've I've always like, um, I've always hated trading for players. Like, unless like the Bruins were last year, where like this was that that was their year. Like, we all knew that right. was their year. So like, yeah, yeah, my God. Like, if if you're gonna make a move to push you over the top, by all means, go get Bertuzzi. Go get Orlov. Holy shit! Like the the rich get richer. Yep. And um, like Hannafin, I think it would could be a great addition. Um. But I also like worry about like trading for players with one year left in their deal, like you just said. Like I don't like Hannafin definitely makes this team better. Like trading for Hannafin doesn't like oh my god they're a lock to make the Stanley Cup Finals with no Hannafin. And if you're going right. to be trading, they already have very limited assets moving forward anyways in terms of youth. And if you're now trading those guys for somebody who could just walk in a year, when like every every report that I've seen is like Noah Hannafin is enamored with Boston. Like he's he loves Boston. And if you're that convinced that he likes it that much, then just wait until he's a free agent next year when the Bruins have all this money. I mean, like, like half the team is coming back anyways. I mean, they could relatively get... They're going to be a better team next year, without a doubt. They're going to have more money to spend. They're going to have these young guys like your Merkulov, your Lorai, maybe Lysel will get a shot. Like, these guys are going to get more seasoning. They're going to have an uh, an offseason as an NHL player, which is different than an NHL offseason. And on top of that, then they can sign Noah Hannafin. Like, I, I know I understand trading from now. He makes the team better. But like, if you could also have Noah Hannafin next year without getting rid of all these young assets, because like the window isn't just one year anymore. Like they're building a future here. And if like Noah Hannafin, you can give him like, I don't know, six, seven year deal. You, if if uh, Lysel turns in the player, you think he can be. And now you get all these pieces moving forward. I mean, they can compete next year as well i mean i don't know i understand people look at this year and the record the bruins have and i don't think they're catching lightning in a bottle and i understand the willingness to want to you know uh make your team better at any any opportunity but that's just by that's just how i feel about trading for players with one year left in this deal when like i don't know if noah hannafin just like completely pushes his team over the top or suddenly they're stanley cup favorites because they they trade for 
for Noah Hannafin, you know? Yeah. And I mean, Noah Hannafin uh, just turned 27 years old. Um, right now he's making just under $5 million a year. So he's at 4.95. So he's probably going to, not probably, he's definitely going to see an increase in salary, probably somewhere around like six, six and a half mil, if I had to guess. Um, and next year you can afford that. You're, you are able to spend that money freely when certain contracts come off the books and not every year can. And I know, you know, this, I'm not saying this to you, but not every year can be last season where you can make these deals, where you can send these assets to go all in and and do everything you can to create as deep of a team as possible. That just might be the reality of this year. And the fact that the Bruins have been able to, you know, put up the numbers that they have this year. I mean, at this point in the season, 33, 12 and 11, as of right now, 77 points, one point above Florida in the Atlantic division, um, second place in the league behind Vancouver. Um, again, I mean, Florida and Dallas, the Rangers kind of right on your tail for that, but still in the mix right there for top five in the league with guys like Pavel Zaka playing big minutes, Charlie Coyle having a career season, um, JVR at one mil, Kevin Shattenkirk, which is a whole other thing. Um, Danton Heinen, you're doing this with, with depth guys that you signed to kind of, you know, what would you call it? Um, show me deals, I guess, for, for these veterans being like, you want to play here? Do you want to play? Can you still do it? Like, we'll give you a contract. We're going to give you minutes. Um, we're not going to pump your wallet with cash, but this is, this is your opportunity to keep playing and, and maybe show other teams in the league that you still have value. Because coming into this season, I mean, everybody knew it was a bridge year. Nobody was expecting this team to be fighting for a top three spot in the league again. I mean, this was a year for the rookies to show up. This was a year for middle-agers like Zaka, um, like Lauko, like McAvoy, like uh, Mason Lorai, I guess, Jeremy Swayman. For those guys to kind of pop off and, and show you what, you know, they really got for a full season. And what they're showing you right now is that they can play and their contracts are friendly. You have so much money coming off the books next year, build in free agency, don't give up assets and, and roll with what you got, make the playoffs. It's a crapshoot. new season. Everybody starts off even and you go, you get hot at the right time. You can fly. I'm not saying this team can't win the Stanley cup the way that it's built right now. I mean, I think you need to make improvements on the back end in hope that guys like JVR, like Coyle, um, like Danton Heinen continue to play the way that they are. You have a shot. But as as we both just said, you don't give up the house for, for this season. You can't. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Especially like on like Twitter can be like a cesspool at times. Um, and like I get it. Like the running joke about the Bruins forever has been – they choke, uh, choke artists can't get back to second round. And, uh, and I remember last year when the Bruins were having their historic season, I have mentioned this before. I dude, I had so many tweets bookmarked of people yeah. saying, Oh, they have no, they're going to lose in the first round. And I was like, these idiots, man, like no way a team that's this good is going to lose in the first round. Awkward. Anywho, <laughs> if, if this team this year is able to make a deep playoff run, say they make it like, I, 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 I want to say the Stanley Cup, but let's say they make it a deep, like they, they lose in six 
in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah. Do you think that takes a little bit of heat off the season they had last year, or do you think it's you know if they don't win the Stanley Cup this year, then like la- nobody is ever going to forget what happened last year? Well, and when I when, when I say when I say like nobody, I mean like fans of other teams, because at least fans of other teams, if they were to say. Yeah, you guys had 60 greatest team ever lost in the first round. Like we could say, yeah, and then we won the cup the next year. You know, like we could always use that argument. But like I don't know, like if this team were to make a deep playoff run, if they were to make the Stanley Cup, if they like obviously winning it, but like if they were to make the Stanley Cup or make a deep playoff run, if that could somehow exonerate what happened last year. I to be honest with you, I don't think anything is ever gonna they, they could win, dude. They could win like three cups in a row, and everybody will still be like. Yeah, would have been four if Bruins didn't choke. <laughs> that, honestly, that's, that's a good point. They win right. with the Bruins win the cup this year. Yeah, it should have been back to back. Like, yeah. they'll always find something. Yeah. Damn it, dude, we're never gonna. Oh no, my God. We, we're gonna, dude. We, I've accepted that. It took me a long time after you know that that season to really soak it all in. It's, it's that's never gonna go away. And never. Like it especially sucks because like, I mean, like I like. I still bring up the 2013 first round game seven electric overtime win against the Maple Leafs to any Maple Leaf fan whenever I can. Oh, yeah. That was over. That was over 10 years ago now. That's so, crazy. and, and, and I think like, obviously part of that is because I hate the Maple Leafs. That's been <laughs> very well documented. <laughs> Who doesn't hate the Maple Leafs at this point? Yeah. Um, but like, there also hasn't been any uh, like, anything remotely close to that that could emulate the feeling that I had that the embarrassment that that city has had, which is why it's great to continue to bring it up, even though that was ancient history now. But like, I'm thinking like the only way people would like, nobody's talking about that lightning team that blew it in the first round against Columbus anymore because of the Bruins last year had 65 wins. So I feel like the only way people would stop talking about it to your point is if some team put up 66 wins and had like, two more points than the Bruins had last year. Then if they also blew it in the first round, I think then we'll be exonerated. But like, dude, the, the, I can't even imagine like the, the Miami dolphins team from whatever, whatever the hell decade that was that, uh, they went 14 and all they were undefeated in the regular season, won the super bowl every single year. They all collectively, they all get together and they celebrate another year of them being the only team in NFL history to go undefeated. Like they must've been so relieved when the Patriots lost the super bowl. Like that must be like what the Tampa Bay lightning felt like when they watched the Bruins blow it last year, because suddenly nobody was talking about their record setting season anymore when they got swept in the first round by Columbus. Yeah. I mean, people talk about, you know, if, if you had a time machine, right, where would you go? People say, you know, I would go back to see how the pyramids were built. I would go back to ancient Rome and, and go visit the Colosseum during the gladiator matches. Um, I would go back to the founding of America. What was that like the American revolution? Well, me personally, I would go back to, to, I think it was game five, Marshawn's breakaway with like 10 seconds left. And I would just oh. whisper in his ear and say, you have so much more time than you think, Marshawn. <laughs> imagine Please. it's like, uh, I can imagine like, you know, like watching it on Nessun and like, it's almost like Casper the ghost. Like you're just like floating, like translucent, like right next to Marshawn as he's skating on the ice. You have more time. And then like, zoom off the screen. <laughs> and then Marshawn like slows up and it's like a little backhand and roofs it. Remember those history like, will be? Commercials, 
they They're sound like, familiar. The da da da. What if like what if? Oh Bobby, yeah, yeah 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 yeah. What if what if Sully didn't come down <laughs> and tell Marshawn he had time left? <laughs> Unfortunately, we know the reality of that, and it's it's just pure. Uh, that sad, was better than what I was gonna I, I would have said I would have um, used my time stone or the time <laughs> traveling machine. No, like you know, like the Doctor Strange thing with the eye, yeah. of whatever. Yeah. And I would have went back in time to right before Game One started, and I would have just appeared out of the ground like a groundhog in Jim Montgomery's office, and I would have leaned over and I would have said, "Hey, one A, one B," and then I would have dipped out. And then, yeah, I mean, Omar. I mean, it's old history now, but I mean, Omar was hurt the first round, and he kept playing them, given they were up three to one. But still, that just got me all riled up. Damn it! Yeah, maybe another example of using my time stone. I would say Bergy. Just I know that game eighty two means a lot to you, but you don't understand. Please, oh, don't play. I didn't even Bergy. think about that. Bergy, please don't play. Please, do you think please, please. you think if he could do it again, he would not play that game? No, I, I think he would. It, and I understand like why. Um, yeah, that was a stupid question, actually. Yeah, you're right. No, no, that wasn't a stupid question because it's fair. But I mean that you know. He knew that he was done after the season, everything with his father. Like, if people actually hold that against Bergeron, that's so unfair and just yeah. so dumb. Um, yeah, but I mean, hey, it is what it is. It's, it's old stupid. history now. It's yeah. old history. Yeah. You know, you can't blame, uh, you know, it wasn't even about 1A, 1B. It wasn't about Bergeron being hurt. It wasn't about Marshawn uh, blowing it on that breakaway. At the end of the day, you had a 3 1 lead. Yep. They should have finished it off and they didn't. And that's it. We're never talking about that season again. Damn it. We're moving up. <laughs> yeah, Second never. best record in the league. Let's go. <laughs> but something we will talk about is some voicemails. We hey need some voicemails. We got a whole bunch this week. We have about, well, hang Hell on. Yeah. Three, six, nine, 12, 14 voicemails. From three people, they're just they're just ringing the line. So oh, let's yeah. start from the top. Um, they're a little separated, but I can see who's who. So let's start with. You want to start with Lovell, or you want to start no, with CJ? Save save the Lovell line for the end because he had a he had a, a chunky three minute long voicemail that we can save for the end. Unless you want to go first with that. No, no, no. I was just gonna say for those of you who missed last episode. Um, Louisville asked us a question about going on a date. Should he should he wear his Bruins garb that he made up? Um, so I'm sure that one at least one of those voicemails is going to be him recapping that night. I, oh my honestly, god! god I, I cannot dying wait to hear about it, dude. I cannot wait to listen to this. All right, we'll start off with uh, CJ. CJ gave us three of them on Friday. This is the day before Valentine's Day. He uh, and- who, who are they playing Friday? Oh, sorry. For for those of you wondering, CJ is the one who said that this team makes him feel like he needs to eat rocks sometimes yeah. so um yeah so this was friday so this is uh probably right after the three two shootout loss to tampa or the kraken game no friday the 13th was uh tampa oh i didn't even realize that was a friday the 13th oh my god no dude what are you looking at tuesday tuesday was the 13th Oh, yeah, I'm an idiot. Oh, you know what? I saw Feb 13 and I just went, oh, that's Friday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. 
All right. Well, this is from Tuesday, uh, February 13th against the Lightning. Hey, boys. It's CJ again. Uh, just want to say congrats to Marshy on a thousand games. That's pretty sick. I know uh, being a short king myself who plays the game had a big impact on me. Uh, just want to see what kind of you guys think about Marshy hitting a thousand games, you know. Is he a Hall of Fame type of guy when his career is all said and done? Or, you know, does he get snubbed? Take one. It's actually funny because we did touch on that last episode, too. Um, definitely a Hall of Famer. Um, Jersey retirement, I mean, hard to argue against it. But Marshawn, to me, dude, just one of the core foundational players of, like, my hockey youth memories. Like, 100%, no doubt about it. One of the one of the guys. Oh, yeah. Because, like, especially, like... I don't know, like growing up, like you always hear about like the big bad Bruins, you know, the Bruins of the 70s and 80s. Oh, they're going to go punch their face. And and like, I mean, like you hear about them from like, you know, your parents or your grandparents or like older people or you watch a documentary, turn on Nesson and they're showing a game of like Terry O'Reilly doing something crazy. And um, I don't know, like it was cool, like as a young fan to like see somebody like of that. I hate to make fun of him for being a short king, but like of that stature going out and like doing something I've never seen somebody do like licking people's faces and like just doing all this shit. Like I, last episode I was talking about when he tabletop Sammy Sallow in the corner, I've never yep. seen a play like that in my life. Like, Punching early, yeah, like early Brad Marshawn, like this guy, he steps on the ice every single night. He's the shortest and smallest guy. He's the most overlooked guy. He was like a, you know, a third round pick. He had to fight and scrap his way into the NHL. And here he is. And like, my God, like he's, he's going to, you know, Henrik and the Sedin brothers, the two faces of the NHL, he doesn't care. He's a rookie in the Stanley Cup finals. He's going to grab their shirt and keep punching them in the face over and over and over again. He's going to go bully their defensemen who are well over five to six inches taller, taller than him. Like he doesn't care. And like his style of, of the way that he played the game was like something that, I personally had never seen a player do and like there's there's a short list of players who have like made me really proud to be a fan of a specific team like for the Bruins like any Bruins fan will tell you I've never been more proud to be a Bruins fan than I than having Patrice Bergeron on my team like holy shit like he represents everything that I want this team to stand for and like I don't know like when I think about the Bruins like the hockey on the ice like the kind of like you know, like we're like, we're not backing down from anybody. Like we're going to poke you like, you know, don't wake the bear, that whole thing. Like I always felt like it was ironic because it was in such a short stature that you wouldn't think would be that guy. But I feel like Brad Marshawn was like the perfect representation of kind of like what Bruins hockey was all about. And like for myself, when he was a rookie in what, 2010, 2011, and I was like 12 years old. I mean, like, yeah, I was watching hockey before then, but like, I didn't really know what I was watching. So those were like, you know, like my pinnacle years of like, I'm, you know, I'm understanding what I'm seeing on the screen and like, I'm understanding like what's happening. And like, just like you, like, I just fell in love with Brad Marshall on the player. Like there was nobody who was as electric, as exciting, like, yeah, he's going to get a five minute major and get tossed from the game. But like, that was pretty <laughs> sweet what he did. Like, holy shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like, I've never defended any player as much as I've ever defended Brad Marshawn. Like my dude, like my old Twitter account from like high school, like, you know, all the tweets I had on there, like defending Brad Marshawn to anybody, like you come at him, like you're coming at my brother. Like it didn't matter. 
And um, so like, you know, like we've talked about it before, like watching his career progress, not just from like, you know, like being a fourth liner to a, a second liner to the best left winger in hockey now to being a captain, but like the person of Brad Marchand too, like the way he came in and like, obviously like, you know, the, the pictures of like him and Tyler Sagan, like dancing drunk on a bar, like, you know, like with their yeah. shirts off and like, you look at him now and he's like this stoic captain. And like, you think of him back then and like love Brad Marchand, but all the like he would take he would pick the worst time to like get a misconduct or like the yeah. worst time to take a penalty to the point where they he had mentioned before that the Bruins had actually sat him down to be like dude cut the shit kind of thing like we know it's your game but like pick your time and then like you I remember like you watched him learn that and he was still a scumbag and he was still like pissing people off and getting under people's skin but he was a master at controlling it and doing it just enough to not get a penalty and then you see where he is now and like holy shit, like a season where everybody thought, like you said, like this was going to be a gap year, a bridge year for the Bruins. Like he is the captain and leading this team and through all the adversity that they've had this year. They have the second best record in the NHL where nobody thought they would. And like Brad Marsh on the player, like his number is definitely going to be hanging up when it's done. Number 63, we talked about it last week. Don't have any worry about anybody ever wearing that again because that is the ugliest number I've ever seen on a hockey player. Um <laughs> You know, all the play, like friends I have growing up, like everybody had a Marshawn jersey. <clears throat> I remember playing for, uh, I th- it was either Tribro or SMS. And, uh, you know, both, it might have been both teams had a number 63 on it. Nobody and nobody would ever wear a number 63 before Brad Marshawn wore it. But he made it cool because yeah. everybody wanted to be like Brad Marshawn. So, you know, Hall of Fame, I don't know if he's a shoe and I think he's definitely close and he's on his way. I think he will be in the Hall of Fame someday, but... Um, you know, definitely without a doubt, one of my favorite Bruins of all time. And I will yeah. miss him when he's gone. So enjoy him while he's here. Yeah, 100%, dude. 100%. And that's our captain, baby. Makes me so happy. Hell like yeah. Said, dude, like, he watching him, like watching him grow out of like mature in his game was like probably the most impressive thing he's ever done in his career, to be honest with you. Yeah. And, and like a, a lot of, especially like the Bruins, like a lot of players that, I remember weren't in Boston their whole career where they either came to Boston after, you know, being somewhere else or they left Boston and went somewhere else. I mean, there's plenty of players you can think of who, who, you know, that was an example of, but um, for Brad Marshawn, I'm speaking for myself, like I'm 25 now and I've watched his entire career and like, I remember his entire career and he's the only Bruin I can say that about like Patrice Bergeron. I love Patrice Bergeron. He was a rookie when I was in kindergarten. I don't remember that shit. Like, come on. I don't even remember my teacher's name, let alone Washington <laughs> Bergeron. That's a lie. Miss Stefanik, shout out you. Um, like, I, like, I don't remember anything. Um, but like Brad Marshall, like I've been a spectator. I've been a fan of his entire career. And, um, you know, like that's just me, I think, being a young hockey fan. I'm sure like if you're an older hockey fan, you've seen plenty of players careers. But I think for Brad Marshall, for myself, it's a little more special because he's the first player that I've had that experience with where I, you know, I remember him as a rookie and I've, and I've watched him progress. And now like from him stepping into the league and like watching him blossom into an elite player, you know, the best left wing in hockey to be eventually becoming the captain of my favorite team. That's a pretty cool experience. Yeah, for sure. All right. We got two more. Uh, well, actually we have five more from CJ. Here is the next one. This is also from Tuesday, February 13th. Can take on the, uh, at least in my opinion, the pretty half-assed effort that the bees put up in this. Oh, sorry. Let me restart. I hit a button. <laughs> Boys, 
to take on the, uh, at least in my opinion, the pretty half-assed effort that the Bees put up in the shootout against Tampa. Just kind of wondering what's going on there. It seems like he was locked in with uh, Coyle going up and then uh, he masked. Nothing seemed to be uh, really dialed in. Okay. Sorry, you boys, I know we talked about it earlier in the pod or something. Actually, you know, I'd uh, ask your take on that. The audio was a little low in there, but he was asking uh, what our opinion was on their half-assed shootout effort against the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah. Um, well, let me see. I'm trying to remember. Apostle went, Coyle I'm went. To be honest, I bet the went. Dallas the Dallas Star shootout was so electric, it totally scrubbed the Lightning shootout from my mind. I don't remember anything from it. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure it was Pasta, Coyle, DeBrusque. And none of them scored. Yeah, that's right. Because Tampa went twice. I'm I'm looking at it right now. Point scored, and then Coyle went, stopped. Headman went, stopped by Allmark. JD went, and he just missed the net, and and that was the game. Um, oh god. Yeah, shootouts are not too kind to the Bruins. Um, maybe maybe <laughs> maybe. <I heard> that. <laughs> yeah, maybe don't throw Shattenkirk out there before like Frederick JVR. Yeah, oh, dude, that guys. was bold. And that it was, was funny, too. I was watching the – um. And now, I mean, now we're talking about the Dallas one, but I was watching the Dallas shootout. <laughs> um, and I remember, you know, watching Pasta come in. And first of all, have, did you see Sagan's numbers? I remember when Sagan was on Boston, It like any time it was in a shootout, it was automatic. Automatic. Put Sagan yeah. out there, automatic. He had taken I, – I believe he, he had taken over 60 shootout attempts – Guess what his percentage is as a 30-something-year-old man with 60-plus shootout attempts? For Sagan, uh, 56%. I believe it was 47%. Damn, which, that's so Which crazy. is ridiculous because, I mean, he's shooting every almost every two attempts, which, uh, quick math for you. Um, <laughs> but no, because I, I remember, like, there, there are players who are good in the shootout, and then, like, you have Pasta who, like, I feel like you would think he would be good in a shootout, but his, like, shootout numbers were horrible. He was, like, 6 for 32 or something, um, which, like, he's... I mean, the guy is a pure goal scorer. Like, you put the puck on his stick, and he can score from anywhere in the ice. But, like, in the shootout, like, if the guy isn't shooting the puck, forget about it. That was one of the worst attempts at a move I had ever seen against the Dallas Stars when he kind of, like, came in, and then he's just... Like, he went... It was, like... I don't know if he was selling the shot or what, but, like, he went... um He's ready. So he went backhand and then he like turned forehand and like, like Mike, like Ottinger had the, the entire net sealed. Like there was, and he was like, ah, and just kind of like passing. It was like, you beat me. Like this dude yeah. was bad. And it was like, all right, like I love pasta. Like he can have, like when he fought, like the, the penalty shot or the, or the shootout that he had, I don't remember who the hell he was playing, but when he just like turned around and just cocked the thing and just fired it, like I understand you can't do that every play, but like, some players are made for the shootout and they can score, and some players just can't do it. And like, it's like if Pasta isn't shooting the puck, like I don't know, like his his moves around the net, I was like, oh god. I'm gonna ask you a bit of trivia here. Oh, here we um, go. There's two active players in the top five shootout percentages of all time. I'm not gonna have you, you know, just straight up guess because that would just take. A I have two straight up guesses. Do you? All right, give me your two straight up. 
are they are they very well known players? Yes. Is one of them Patrick Kane? No. Is one of them TJ Oshi? No. Forget <laughs> <laughs> okay, it. I was gonna say. Um, one of these players has taken 17 attempts. He has 11 goals. Um, plays for Anaheim. Trevor Zegers. Trevor Zegers. As of yeah. right now, as it stands, he's second all time in shootout percentage. Um, this player in particular is fourth all time. He's scored 24 goals on 41 attempts. That's 58%. By the way, Zegers is 64%. He's played for Chicago, Columbus, and the Rangers. Who's he on now? The Rangers. Chicago, Columbus, New York. Mel's thinking. I can tell he's thinking hard because he's twisting his hair. That's <laughs> always what he does when he thinks. Chicago, Columbus, the Rangers. He, um, hang on. Let me let me give you a little hint. He was traded to Columbus for. Um, let me see. Ba, 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 he was traded to Columbus for Brandon Saad and Anton Forsberg. Oh, Artemi Panarin. Duh. Artemi Panarin. God yeah. damn it, dude. Yep. It, was, it was funny because you said you said Columbus and Chicago, and all I could think about was Brandon Saad, and I was like, was Brandon Saad on the Rangers? Like, what? <laughs> I, was <laughs> was he the other, the shoot I was forgetting the other player in the deal. <laughs> um... Yeah, oh, damn, that's that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I feel like um, actually, I mean, now that we're talking about it, because I feel like people probably just heard what I said about Pasta and they're like this guy's a dumbass. I want to look at Pasta Knox shootout percentage because it is it is actually brutal. And um, Pasta's oh, Pasta's shootout yeah. percentage. Yeah. Oh, it's thirty three percent. Oh, that's not bad. No, it's actually better than I thought it was. There was somebody that the Bruins sent who had a his shootout percentage was six. <laughs> Probably If if they sent, imagine they sent out Derek Forbert. Oh my God, Forbert! I can't talk tonight, dude. He would have been zero percent. Would have been his first shootout attempt of his career. You want to know who the worst shootout percentage is of all time? It's actually tied. Uh, uh, are they okay? But don't give me like a guy was zero for one in the shootout. All right. Oh, um, let's do minimum 25 attempts. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Actually, he's active still playing in Edmonton right now. He's three goals on 25 attempts in the shootout. He's played a Vander Kane. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Is is Edmonton and the guy sucks. (laughs) That is that is just terrible. Wow. Daniel Sedin. Daniel Sedin, dude. One of the worst ones of all time. Five for 31, 16%. Daniel Sedin. Interesting. Well, I wonder what Henrik is. Um, ooh, it's going to take me up. way too long to find this. Hang on. What, wait, what did you say Daniel Sedin is? 16%. Henrik Sedin is... I'm going to say 27%. Wow, it's actually worse. What? It's 13.7%. Oof. They actually well, wrote I mean, an article about it. 
Kind of, kind of, kind of makes sense. I mean, the twins, you know, doing their thing. Oh wow! And the All Star competition, Henrik Sedin has never scored in the shootout, going zero for five. Damn. <laughs> that sucks. It says it says his first ever shootout attempt against Ed Belfour in the Florida Panthers in two thousand seven has made the top ten list of the worst shootout moves of all time. Oh boy! In twenty thirteen, he had the puck roll completely off his stick while trying to deke Coyotes goalie Mike Smith. Oh my God. Yeah, it says That's Daniel Sedin is four for 29. His career shutout percentage is a woeful 13.79%, raking him ahead of only Tyler Pyatt in team history. Three. Jesus Christ. Jesus. Oh my God. Yeah. Thomas Pukanich is four for 30. Okay, sorry. I got in a, in a, in a little hole there, but. Uh, you got into a stat hole. Yeah, okay. Back to the voicemails. We got another one here. This is from Friday. This must be where I got the Friday from. This is also from CJ, but this is at Friday at 12.42 a.m. Uh, late night. When was Friday? Uh, oh, so this is after the Kraken game. There we go. My days are all over the place here. Boys, <laughs> we might be back to eating rocks for a minute. I know it's been unfortunate. To be honest, I wish the home stretch would go way better than it has been. But, um, that's not the way things are going right now. We might be eating rocks. <laughs> rocks for dinner. Rocks for lunch. You know, socks to socks. You know what? We don't got to be the president's trophy winners, boys. Yeah, that's right. We're win some games down the stretch. And a good team. And it really matters. Yep. Boys. Damn straight. That yeah, uh, the Bruins keep playing like this. He's gonna have no more teeth left with all those rocks he's been eating, dude. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm kind of with them though. No President's Trophy. No yeah, no. Nope. No thanks. Vancouver can have that curse. Yeah. Um, worth Again. noting. I, I was gonna say. Guess what happened last time they won the President's Trophy? Uh oh. All right, we got another three here from CJ. This one is from Sunday at 11:19 p.m. So this is the night before President's Day. Uh, the night after the Bruins lost 5-4 to the Kings. Hey, boys, it's CJ. Just wondering what you boys think about uh, Steen being put on the waivers. Ah, there we go. What do you think about Steen being put on waivers? That was electric call, by the way. Fucking boom. Right to the point. (laughs) But, um... Yeah, I mean, the way that, I mean, it's been mentioned, Brazo already matched his point total for the 34 games that Steen played in a, in a single night. Um, mm-hmm. Brazo brings size, speed, grit. He can throw the body. He can play offense. Um, it kind of a no-brainer, if I can say that, um, in terms of, Anybody on this roster who you were going to put on waivers, it was going to be Steen. I mean, you're not going to put Lauko on waivers. You're not going to put Boakfist on waivers. Um, Certainly not going to put one of JVR, Heinen, you know, name them. You're not going to put them. You you can afford to lose Steen. I was just a little bit surprised that they were willing to allow him to go through waivers instead of maybe packaging him in a deal. But I guess like, I mean, what's his value to other teams? Probably really nothing. So, yeah, not it, not surprising. And it worked out anyways because he ended up passing waivers, um, right? But yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm totally with you. I wasn't surprised at all that Steen went down. I think, um, 
I mean, he got his opportunity this year. I mean, he had what he had 34 games, 32 games. I mean, that's a, you know, a fairly decent sample size. Yeah. And the guy, he had one point, one point in 30, whatever games. And I understand he was playing fourth line minutes, but so was Lauko. And uh, you know, Lauko was not having a great year either, but I think he at least hit double digits and what Steen brings to you as a player I feel like you already pretty much have in Lauko, except Lauko brings you a little more energy. And we just mentioned he gives you literally like 10 times the offensive production. I mean, I know that's, it's not always apples to apples, but, um, you know, I'm with you. I just, I think that there's, you know, Steen's role in this team is a fourth liner and the Bruins kind of have a collection of fourth liners now. Um, and I just think that Steen was the odd man out. I don't think he necessarily brings anything to the table that any of the players don't already bring. Um, and, you know, I just think it was because of that that he was put on waivers, but yep. not surprised by it. Um, all right, here's another one. This is from Monday. So this is right Monday at 12 08 p.m. So this is right before the Dallas Stars game. Hey boys, I was just wondering with um, the D struggles that the Bees have had recently, do you think the makes a comeback at some point for the playoffs Hell. or something? Hell yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just asking that because I really don't think Derek Forbert's getting it done. And I know Monty said he sees Forbert as a guy who's trying to get in the mix again and blah, blah, blah. But I kind of think it's a crock of shit. I think um, to go somewhere else, either waivers or to another trade. But um, Jason Lawrence should get back up here in some games. He may have to deal a little bit. Yeah, no, I'm totally with you. I'm happy that Laura is back up here. I just wish it was under different circumstances. That sucks that Lindholm is out. Um, you know, I wish that he was being called up. First of all, I think he should have. I, I don't. I still don't think he was deserved to be sent down. I think he should have been a product of this team all along. Um, but if he's being called up, I wish it was because they traded a defenseman. You know hopefully forward over Grizzly, but um and not because of an injury. But yeah, I know I think that this is this is you know a big opportunity for him. I don't know what Hampus Lindholm's injury is. Um but I also hope that you know when the playoffs roll around because like last year when the playoffs came, um as soon as Forbert was healthy, boom in the lineup. Like he hadn't played hockey for a month and a half. I know we said we weren't going to talk about last season anymore, but he hadn't played hockey for like a month and a half. And Montgomery's like, here you go, back into the lineup instead of Grizzly. And man, Forbert sucked. And I hope that like coming into this playoff, you know, if, if the Bruins are all healthy on the back end, I hope Montgomery like looks at it as a whole and just stops trying to fit Derek Forbert into this lineup because he's done that throughout this entire year, throughout the last two years now. And, um, you know, like if Mason Lorai is, you know, continuously playing good hockey over the next X amount of games that he's up here, hopefully he's up here for the rest of the season. But I mean, you never know. Um, I want him to look at it from an objective point of view and just put the best team on the ice. And I feel like that would be Lorai, but yeah, I mean, if the cap situation wasn't what it is right now, I feel like he would be to your point. Like he would be up here all season, but that's what's going to happen when you have $6 million locked up in Derek Forbert and Matt Grizzly. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, hell next year, baby. But I do oh, think yeah. he'll be here for playoffs. He fucking better be. Yeah. Oh, my God. Otherwise, we're going down there and we're knocking on some doors. All right. Here is the final CJ voicemail. This is from Monday at 430. So this is after the Bruins beat the Dallas Stars in a shootout. Oh, no rocks for the boys today. 
I mean, there's no secret that this homestand has been pretty disastrous. Um, and honestly, like if the homestand has gone this poorly, the only thing I can think of that could maybe reverse this is doing the exact opposite, which is to on a West Coast swing. Screw it. And the Bruins played at 10 o'clock on Wednesday night. Won't be watching that one against Edmonton. Then they play against Calgary, Vancouver and Seattle. So they're shipping across the country to reset everything to get themselves right. They have a long ass plane ride to really think about what they've done and to sit in it. It's almost like I'm putting them in timeout. Um, but no, I think I think things can really come from these these West Coast road trips. I think it's an opportunity for the team, of course, to collectively be together and to kind of think about what happened. I know uh, I think it was the Red Sox last year. They started like their first 15 games in a row or on the road, and I mean that ended up a disaster, anyways, because the Sox suck. But there's definitely an advantage that can come from that. Um, but Edmonton is going to be a good game. That's going to be a fun game to watch. It sucks to 10. I will try my best to stay up for it, but I'm more so watching that game. Obviously, I want the Bruins to win, but I really want Oilers analytics to lose, dude. <laughs> did, did he mention the power play? He said the power play has been bad lately. I think he did, yeah. All right, so over this um, stretch of home games, right, these, these last seven games, the Bruins have had 25 power play opportunities. Okay, 25. Yep. Off the top of your head, without looking it up, knowing that the, the power play has been struggling, how many power play goals do you think they've scored over that stretch of 25 opportunities? Mind you, they had six against Tampa. Five. Um, listen, Mel... I want you to strap yourself to your seat right now because what's about to come out of my mouth is going to put you into cardiac arrest or something. During this home stretch, the Bruins had 25 power play opportunities. They had two power play goals in that game against Tampa where they had six power play opportunities. They had zero goals. Which is crazy because that game went into extra time too. Just one of those power play goals and you win. But Jesus Christ, dude. What is their they, power play percentage on the year? They went through a stretch during this homestand of 15 straight power play opportunities with no goals. 15. Over, over 15. Really? I mean, that is absolutely And not brutal. only that, but they're also getting scored against shorthanded. You know what's uh wow, you know what's crazy? Um wow. Uh okay, with all of that given, you know, their power ploy, they're two for the last twenty-five. Yeah. What do you think their rank is in the NHL in power play percentage this year? Um I mean after this stretch, uh I'm thinking they're right in the middle. I'm just gonna go sixteen. Are you sitting down? I am. I'll strap myself. Hang on. It might, it, it might startle you. 
they're actually ranked ninth. Really? Yeah, I would not have imagined that. Ninth, they're at uh, about twenty three and a half. Twenty three and a half percent. Wow, Chicago's at thirteen percent. Holy hell, that's brutal. Um, Yikes! Yeah, no, that's a problem, and it's been a problem the last couple of years. The uh, Bruins power play has really struggled at times, especially like going. I mean, we always talk about it. Like, you know, when the playoffs come around, you got to turn this shit around. And if it's in a seven game series and the Bruins go two for 25 on the power play in the playoffs, not winning a series, not happening. No, Um, the the, the special teams is imperative in the playoffs or really in in any game. I mean, penalty kill is you got to get the penalty kill down. And I think I feel called for the Bruins have that. I mean, they've always been a master class. They've always been ranked top five of the league in, in penalty kill percentage, but power play percentage. Oh my God. Two for 25 is, uh, that's embarrassing. There's a reason that they've been going on this skit as of late. Yep. All right. We also got three voicemails from Tommy Bennett. Tommy uh, B. The first two are from Friday morning. Uh, I don't know. We were just talking about this Friday morning. The Bruins. Though this is the morning after the Seattle Kraken game. So here is the first voicemail. What's up, boys? It's Tommy. I'm back. I took like a week off, but that's okay. Kind of gives me a lot to go off of. It might be two separate voicemails. I haven't really decided. Depends how long I talk and when Mel decides to cut me off. <laughs> but the break has been an interesting one for the Boston Bruins, as we all know. They came out flat against Calgary, pummeled the Canucks, came out flat again against the Capitals. I'd say you could chalk that up to rust. I'd say that's just a team that, you know, they had a long break. They're trying to find their groove, get their stride back. It's more of a consistency thing. Uh, you had two of those losses. They were, you know, kind of lopsided. Um, but... Okay, so you're three games in. Uh, now you kind of get to like a different scenario, and it's kind of something I want to hit on, especially after last night, uh, you know, stuff I've seen on Twitter and stuff. So you go to Tampa Bay. Uh, I, I thought, you know, overall, I thought the Bruins played really well. I thought they actually took it to Tampa Bay fairly well. They played, I'd say they were the better team, to be honest. You know, the turnout goal. Omar should have had that. Uh, Vasilevsky was dialed in the entire way. Uh, he is a large reason why the Bruins did not win that game. Uh, they had the offense. They just couldn't get that extra goal. Uh, they, get, they get the extra point, which is great, um, especially against the Tampa Bay team. That is, you know, they finally found their stride. And, I, you know, I think they're actually going to be in the mix 100% the rest of the way for the playoffs. But... Biggest thing I want to hit on is the Seattle game, and it's a lot of what I saw on Twitter. Two things can be true here. It is the lack of finishing ability, and it's the brick wall that was in front of them at Spiteful. I mean, the Bruins were 100% the better team against the Seattle Kraken. Uh, They dominated five-on-five from a puck possession standpoint. They heavily outshot the Kraken, especially at five-on-five play. Uh, They led heavily in scoring chances. They dominated the high-danger areas, like when it came to attempts. It was like 13-5. to I don't think the Kraken really had uh, much of an answer. Um, 
But I am running out of time, so I'm going to go to the second voicemail and just keep going. <laughs> Here's the second one. <laughs> I was going to say, should we just play the second one since it's back? Yeah, yeah, here it is. So as I was saying, the Kraken did not have much of a chance to generate much. I mean, just at 5-on-5 five five play, the expected goal differential was like 3.27 for the Bruins to 1.29 of the Kraken. That's absurd. That's absurd. What that really means is those are expected goals that are supposed to go into the net. Okay. Bruins had their looks. They had their chances. Uh, Seattle definitely kept them to the perimeter a little bit, but the Bruins found real estate in front of the net. Joey Decor goalied the piss out of the Boston Bruins last night. It was just absolutely bonkers that the guy looked like Patrick Waugh coming into this game. He finished with like 3.18 saves above expected, a 9.74 save percentage, a 9.09 save percentage in the high danger area. Two things can be true. Again, it's the lack of finishing ability, given the amount of offense that you went ahead and displayed, and just the fact that there was a brick wall standing in front. This is going to lead me to my next point. The Bruins need extra scoring. They need some kind of a depth move for a winger. I don't really think center is the need. That's just me. I think it's more of you might need a depth scoring winger. Uh, my other thing, too, is I want to talk about the consistency. I think uh, giving the injury, especially Matthew Potter, really puts a you know, kind of like a bind on the lineup, per se. But Jim Montgomery switches lines to the point where nobody can build chemistry together. To me, that's a concern because at this point, you know who you have, you know who's on the roster, and it's to the point where these guys need to play long enough together to build chemistry, build momentum as the playoffs arrive. Uh, I kind of want your thoughts. To me, that's one of my biggest concerns because we're in February, which is almost here. And you don't want to have these problems come playoffs where these guys are still trying to find on their game uh, while playing with one another. I'm glad adversity is hitting now. It's hit more than once this year. Better now than in April. I hope you boys uh, had a good week. Uh, have a good weekend. And uh, have a good Bruins. Hell yeah, Tommy. Wow, what a, what a breakdown from Tommy, huh? I know, dude. Holy you shit. To- do you want to take it first? Yeah, first of all, dude, the uh the the high uh what the the high the danger zone save percentage or whatever the numbers yeah, he was throwing the at danger, me. the high danger chances. Yeah, I mean my god, you know, Tommy does his research. Um mm-hmm. no, but I know you and I have talked in the past about um you know, sorry, I'm taking I was taking him off. <laughs> um you know, we you and I have talked in the past about um, <laughs> sorry, about mixing up the lines, and I think you and I have different uh, different opinions on it. Um, I know I'm I'm kind of agree with Tommy. I think it's kind of dumb. Uh, I hate switching up the lines. I do agree that there is benefits towards it. I mean, I understand throwing the lines in a blender. You can have guys see other guys, you know, play with players they might not recognize. I remember when I was playing uh, uh, one of my teams I used to play for in high school. We did the same kind of thing. It was like, oh, like you know. 
play with a guy you've never played before. Go introduce yourself. It was the stupidest shit ever. Like I just want yeah. to play with my friends. And um, <laughs> you know, like I like I, I agree. I think that it can be, you know, difficult to build consistency and to get chemistry with guys if you're on a different line every single night. Um, I think it can be difficult at times to understand your role on a team, on a line, I think more importantly, when you're going from a you know, a third line wing position and now you're on the second line and maybe on one line you're playing more of a two-way game or on this line you're playing more of a playmaking kind of kind of game um and i don't know like i i i I think that when you switch up the lines it can definitely help for the right teams i know from like uh from like an oppositional standpoint if you never know what the other team is going to be throwing at you oh like who you know you know the bruins can stack this line and maybe they're going to roll this center with this winger on this line and we have to be ready for that but it's not like the Bruins have like you know future Hall of Famers and MVPs throughout their lineup I think when we talked about this last time I referenced that Toronto Maple Leafs like it's not like they have Tavares, Nylander, uh, Mitch Marner and all these guys that they can Austin Matthews didn't even mention him that they can sprinkle through their lineup and shuffle through different lines If if you put three of those guys in the same line that's something you have to game plan for if you're the Bruins and they're putting Morgan Geeky on their second line wing and maybe Danton Heinen's getting second line minutes tonight no other team is going to go, oh, shit. Oh, my God. You know, we're, we weren't prepared for this. Like, no, like, I, I, I think I'm, I'm honestly getting a little sick of the Bruins shaking up the lines as much as they are. Um, and I'm with Tommy. I think coming into the playoffs, I would like to build consistency. I would like to have guys know their roles. I'm not saying that they don't, but I think that um, switching up lines and switching up positions and roles and having guys go up and down, first line, second line, third line, I think it gets to a point where if you do that enough, they can honestly do more harm than good. And that would be one thing that I will be a little a little weary about, you know, heading into the playoffs. Yeah. Um, in the beginning of the year, it was I was fine with it, right? I was good with it. Figure out what works. Um, figure out, you know, which guy vibes with who, which guy can connect with this guy and, and really kind of mix it up to see what works and what doesn't. But as we head down the stretch and we're rolling into playoffs, we're fighting for a position in the standings. I think you should probably have a good idea of what works and who works with who by now. And as we get deeper into the season, I think that the lines that need to be more solidified, maybe shake them up, shake up one position. Maybe one night you have say Freddie Coyle Heinen. The switch up should, shouldn't really, you should, you should at least have a duo that works together and then maybe try to find somebody else that works. Then go like Freddie Coyle geeky or Freddie Coyle JVR, something like that where you're not mixing it up to a crazy extent where all of a sudden everybody's playing with somebody new. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm starting to lean towards what you guys are saying and kind of at least finding pairs that work with each other and stick with those. Um, I don't know if it's going to be Jim Montgomery's to, you know, Jim Montgomery's plan to utilize this throughout the whole playoff run. And if that's the case, then, you know, it is what it is. We'll see if it works or not. Um, but it's interesting. And I've never seen a coach, you know, go to the lengths that he's going and utilizing this philosophy throughout the whole season only to ditch it when playoffs come, which ironically is what he did last year with the goaltending. But I guess we'll see. Yeah, it's been interesting. I thought it was funny too, how in the, uh, in the all-star game, how, he shuffled up the Maple Leafs players amongst his lines and uh, yeah. he was asked about it 
after I think he shuffled him up like after the first period and he was asked about it and he was like, yeah, you know, like it wasn't working. So I switched him up. And all the Maple Leafs fans were like, thank you. Like, that's what we've been waiting for from Keith. Like, yeah, I guess he doesn't do that well with uh, Toronto. And it was funny. They were like, you know, of course, leave it to the Bruins coach. The first time ever coaching Toronto Maple Leafs players, he does what we've been begging, you know, our head coach to do and they end up winning the whole damn thing. So I thought that was funny. But yeah, yeah no, I, I mean, I still think that shaking lines, I know, you know, you were also talking about it last week. I, I do think that there can be benefits to it. I just think that you can overdo it too. And um, I don't know, like I, I'm, I'm not in the mind of Jim Montgomery, but I feel like he, he does this and he's like, oh, like this is good. Like maybe he's thinking that this will be good for the playoffs and building chemistry and getting guys to play different roles. So, you know, if somebody goes down in the playoffs or if you need to be asked more of yourself, you have experience doing it in the regular season, but I think that very well can backfire too when you go into the playoffs and you guys don't have their solidified roles and maybe they don't always know who they're going to be playing with. And that's been something that Montgomery's been doing forever. Like these last two years, he's always putting the lines in a blender. And, and it was funny because I remember when Bruce Cassidy was here, one of the things that people complained about was like his he was so stagnant in his lines. He would not break guys up. Like He would not break up the perfection line. He would not move guys around. And now we have the exact opposite. So when we had Bruce Cassidy, people were begging for him to move players around. Now we have Jim Montgomery and he's doing it too much. So it's just funny. We can't win, damn it. Yeah, we um, can't. <laughs> oh, I was like, all right, what's next? I forgot I was playing voicemails. Um, all right, we got another one from Tommy. Uh, this is from Saturday at 3.35 p.m. Holy shit, boys. I am coming in with the reaction. If you can't tell, it's Tommy and Jesus Christ. I am pretty livid after this L.A. game. Uh, fortunately, I was able to watch it right before I had to depart for a family reunion. But holy fuck, man. The Bruins had no business losing that game. They had no business losing that game. Granted, they got outplayed in the first period, and they escaped with a 2-1 lead. Fine, lick your wounds, you, you, you came out on top, rock on. Played a very dominant second period, got another goal, unfortunately a loud one, it was 3-2. Then you let them battle back, decide the a game, you finally come back with Trent Frederick, rock on. I just got to say, what the fuck <laughs> was Brandon Carlo and Derek Forber doing on that fourth goal? They're pinned in the corner. What, like, what are they doing? What are, like, what the fuck are we doing? LA, granted, maybe coaching change. They're kind of starting to play a little bit better, but the Bruins had no business losing that hockey game. They get the power play in overtime, and I even tweeted out, too, like, right before that power play started, kind of like the minute. You know, overtime, I was like, this game has Tyler Toffoli last-second game-winning type of vibes. The Bruins get some good looks on the power play, and the puck's right in the slot. Power play expires, and boom, Brad Clark right out of the box. Game over. Just no business losing that game at all. This break... Look, adversity is great. I'm, I'm happy it's here. But, man, they've been fairly inconsistent since returning from the All-Star break. Uh-oh. In the month.
month of February, and it's about the same way in the month of March. So, again, it's adversity. You gotta crawl out of it. Holy shit, we deserve the two points and had no business losing this game. I hope you boys at least try to enjoy the game. Uh, go grab some beers. I don't know, Mel, some sushi. You said something <laughs> about Pad Thai. I don't know what ethnicity you're feeling food wise. But I hope you freaking weekend. And uh, go Bruins. I will see you Monday. <laughs> I do want to know. I did end up getting Pad Thai on uh, Saturday. I got, I think it was Saturday. I got crispy chicken pad thai. Oh my god, dude, it's so good. You're making me hungry. It's so good. I was never a pad thai guy, and then um, pad thai is good, dude. I had it for the first time like last year. I'm hooked. It yeah. is so good, and like I will always be a sushi guy until I die. Until it kills me, honestly, I will get mercury poisoning <laughs> someday. But um, I'm not gonna lie, it's taken a little bit of a backseat lately because of you know I've been a fan of pad thai. I think I had it like twice in a week, which is you know. Big, I mean, it's not sushi numbers. I'd have that four times a week. Yeah, and I would have yeah, to yeah. siphon gas out of cars in order to be able to afford getting sushi four times a week. But, um, yeah, no. Uh, the, it the feels, it's, it's, it's funny because the two the two calls that Tommy gave in was um, games that the Bruins lost that they should have won. And yes. uh, that yeah. that is a that is a very dangerous thing uh, for the Bruins because you know some of these games moving forward, man, you can't afford to be dropping these two points, especially like you just said with Florida now a point breathing down the Bruins' neck for first in the Atlantic. I mean, I, I I hate to say you keep saying when the playoffs come you can't do this, when the playoffs come you can't do that, but like it's true. Like these are bad habits that the Bruins are picking up between their their shitty power play inconsistency in terms of their defensive game. I mean, Carlo, like he just mentioned, what the shit was that? That was yeah. not, I've, uh, that is so not Derek, uh, Derek Carlo. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's what you should call him. He makes a play like that, but that was so out of character for what we've seen from the strong play of Carlo this year. And now with them dropping games that they should win. I mean, my God, the numbers that Tommy just rattled off against that, that Seattle Kraken game. I mean, those are bad habits that are starting to form that you hope they can get over. But I like how Tommy said it, you know, it's a bit of adversity that they're battling through. Let's see if they can get through it. I'm just worried about they've had adversity at points this year and they have battled through it, but then they keep falling back into it. Like it's not the end of the world. They're on a four game losing streak. I get it, but it's the way that they lost was like so debilitating. And the fact that it was on home ice when you had like a six game homestand after the all-star break, like that is brutal hockey, which is why I'm looking forward to this four game West coast trip to see if maybe they can use this opportunity to kind of get the mind right and kind of work out some of these kinks. Yeah, um, I mean, I agree with everything that you just said. The, the, since the, I, I, I'm not, I'm not worried. Um, they're kind of just going through adversity right now, and the biggest thing was that they won that game against Dallas. They finished off the homestand with a win, and now they're heading out west to get away from. I don't want to say get away from Boston, but get away from the comforts of home a little bit go out West, go on a road trip, kind of re regroup a little bit, play some good teams. I know they have Edmonton. Um, uh, they have Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver again, and Seattle again. So it's a good test. And then they come home and they play uh, Vegas. So it's, yep. it's a really strong five game stretch here. Calgary, eh, you should beat Calgary, but they just kicked your ass. So that's going to be a game you got to win. Vancouver, another test. Edmonton, that's a test. Um, Seattle, Seattle just beat them too. 
Yep. Come back, win that game. Um, and then you oh got God. Vegas then, at home. Yeah. And then it does, they got Vegas, they got uh, the Islanders, and then Toronto, Edmonton, Toronto again. Jesus. Yeah. It's going to be, it's a good stretch. It's going to be entertaining hockey. Um, definitely something to keep your eye on. See if the Bruins can come back and kind of get back to Bruins hockey a little bit. Yeah. No more of this inconsistency. Do you know what time it is now? Is it the Lobo line? It's the Lobo line, baby. Go, we got baby. five of them. Should I, Here's, should I play Johnny's voicemail first or should we go straight to Lobo? No, let's go straight to Lobo. Straight to Lobo. All right. Straight Lobo. to Lobo. All right. Here is the first one. This is from Sunday at 10 20 p.m. Uh, this is the night before the Dallas Stars game and the night after the Kings game. Is it just silence? <laughs> All right, might have been a button dial. That was eleven seconds of pure silence. Oh, uh, but don't worry, because then Louisville called us back one minute later and left this beauty. All right, bees are uh, bees are swamping a bit here. Looks like uh, Florida took over first place in the Atlantic, which is fine. I'm not too worried about um, I'm not too worried about where they uh, land in the standings at the end of the uh, regular season at this point. Just getting the playoffs and what happens there. What happens happens kind of thing, you know, after last year. I don't care where they are in the standings as long as there's playoffs. But right now, that this is pretty interesting. Um, if the season ended today, they'd be playing the Toronto Maple Leafs, the first round playoffs, which I kind of hate that. Uh, well, they probably beat them, but, you know, <laughs> I really think they should just go back to the one or eight uh, playoff seating. If one plays eight, two plays mm-hmm. seven, three, six, four, five. It's basically like way cooler playoff. I don't know what you guys think of that. I honestly I love one through eight like if we look at it right now right the playoff matchups um one through eight wise one two three four five six seven. Boston would play Detroit Florida would play Tampa I mean Jesus right off holy the bat, shit <laughs> I don't know dude did you see Florida's game the other night though against them yeah, I know. But <laughs> not only do those two two matchups happen, but then you got New York and Philly, and then you have Carolina, Toronto. I mean, dude, that's a pretty electric. The only um, the only kind of boring series would be Boston and Detroit. <laughs> you think so? No, I mean compared to the other ones, I feel like that's the only one that doesn't really stack up to the rest of them. I don't Why know, you dude. disagree? Yeah, two original six teams. Detroit finally gets back in the playoffs. Um, yeah. Kind of a rivalry, a little bit. Um, Detroit, I mean, has played you well this year. It would be a good series, I think. Yeah. No, I'm. I'm. Uh, I. I. I totally love the one through eight playoff seating. I don't, for the life of me, understand why they got rid of it. I mean, like, I. I it was it for better playoff matchups because it's the NHL playoffs. My, it doesn't matter. It could be one playing thirty-two. It could yeah, be Chicago against Vancouver. And it would still be a great seven, you know, well, I mean, it wouldn't get to seven games, but it would still be entertaining hockey because that's playoff hockey for you. 
but uh, you know, I, I I'm all aboard the one through eight seating. I wish you'd bring it back, but uh, I think either way, you know, I I think there's so many loaded teams in the East this year. It doesn't really matter who the seating is or who plays who. You're gonna get four really good series in the first yeah. round. Yeah, and then not to mention only that, but out west you would get Vancouver, St. Louis, L.A., Dallas, uh, Edmonton, Colorado, and then Vegas and Winnipeg. I mean, that's oh a, my god, that's a pretty Vegas and Winnipeg. Oh man. Yeah. All right, here is uh, the next one. This is also from Sunday. This is four minutes later. who the player is right like if, if if it was your thousandth game i would probably get you uh i'd get you some golf clubs oh that's a great thank you mel that's a yeah yeah you're welcome pick. maybe um, like a gift card to the chateau you know what i would get you <laughs> you know what i'd get you what I would get you a lifetime supply of sushi from any restaurant that oh you want. A sushi, a sushi gold card. It works at any sushi restaurant at in any place in the world. I I can't even tell you how much that would cost. I mean, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would use the only thing holding me back right now from getting sushi every day. Not of course the merc. Well, I, I mean, I've already been established. I don't care about mercury poisoning. It is. I'm getting really sick of having to siphon gas out of cars in the parking lot in order to afford all the sushi that I've been eating. So that would really help, you know, save my innards from all the gas I've been sucking down. Um, I was thinking of like a like a mouth guard, like a like a bedazzled mouth guard. Yeah, um, <laughs> that would probably do more harm than good. That would probably cut up the inside of your mouth. Maybe. Um, all right, I I, th- I think I'm hopeful that the next voicemail on the Louisville line will be him talking about his experience you know his date the advice we gave him because it's a three minute long voicemail um this is from monday night at 9 16 p.m so after i don't know if you heard but Louisville was at the game against the dallas stars this is after the bruins beat the stars four to three in a shootout hmm. boys what did i say Bruins don't lose matinee games on there, baby. Fucking four, three win up for the bees. They're in the shootout. Unbelievable. We're back on 
track. We're going to Lord Stanley's mug, dude. <laughs> Holy. Jump in. We're back. But yeah, dude. What a night for Chris. Weird night. Uh, let me tell you. Uh, fucking. Went to the bees. Oh, I got my hair cut before the bees, dude. At uh, Boston Barber and Tattoo Co. That was pretty cool. Haircut there. Then went to Gray's Bar. Got a little banged up at Gray's Bar. Went over to the fucking bees. Saw the bees. And then I met that girl, dude. I met that girl with the bell in hand. You guys know? Where's that? Where's that? It's It's like a random ass bar in Boston. It's pretty cool. That's where I saw the bees lose in 2019, dude. Oh, my goodness. I drove all the way from West Virginia just to go to fucking... <laughs> just to go to a bar with my boys back home. They lost. But, yeah, let's go. Dude, went all, went all the way to the Bell Hand. I don't think that girl remembers me. You're <laughs> 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 honest. So... There's that. That was weird. I didn't wear the fit. I wore a cool guy fit. I just wore like a like a tan, like a, like a tan uh, brownish flannel. Um, a bees tee, a bees hat, uh, jeans, and Converse. But yeah, I don't think she remembers me being there. I got there and she was, oh my god. Yeah, and then I was like, all right, I'm going to death. And she was like, all right. And I was like, hey, actually, my friends are at the PWHL game, right? And whoa, if you want to go. It completely fed you and be like, yeah, no, I'm not going to that. And then she was like, yeah, I'll go. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so Unfortunately, they dropped the game to Ottawa. Um, yeah. Lost that one. Uh, I sat out with my friends from back home. And they're like, dude, uh, what the fuck are these guys? I was like, I don't even, I don't even know. I just met that one girl from Hinge and she, uh, she kind of like followed us there. Just had a couple rows back. <laughs> okay, hang on. He sent us, uh, he sent us one more. I think this is a continuation of that last one. Um, yeah, lost that one. Uh, I found with my friends from back home, and they're like, dude, uh, what the fuck are these guys? I like, I don't even, I don't even know. I just met that one girl from Inge, and she, uh, she kind of like followed us there. Just had a couple rows back. Super weird experience. Just super weird. But, you know, that's just a part of the global experience. The global experience. That's just what it is, man. But yeah. Bruins win 4-3, right? Was it 4-3? Check my phone real quick. <laughs> I'm literally there. <laughs> uh, yeah, 4-3, shoot up first, Dallas. And we're back, baby. <laughs> we got the Boston Bruins and... Uh, yeah, that's my life. Welcome to the level line. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> <laughs>
There was like a, between those two voicemails, there was probably a solid 40 seconds where I could not understand a word he was saying. Yeah. I mean, dude, um, I mean, Louisville must be the good luck charm for the Bruins. I mean, he ends I think the so, skid. Louisville ended the skid. Um, unfortunately, didn't have the same luck in the, uh, and Lowell with PWHL Boston, but you know, it yeah. is what it is. That luck will come. Um, actually, but that reminded me. Uh, Valentine's Day, I did go to the PWHL Boston against PWHL Toronto, and that game, sick. Fucking unbelievable game, dude. If if anybody listening, uh, or Mel, if you guys haven't had the chance to go to those games yet, 20 bucks, three rows up from the glass. I swear to God, they're more physical than the NHL. I'm no joke. Saw this girl get plastered up against the glass. We could see her facial expression. Like she was just like, oh, like up on the glass. Dude, and then no joke, no joke. I forget who it was, but a player on Boston got Max Patch ready. Like, because they don't have the stanchions like curved like they do in oh the NHL. Yeah. Dude, she got smashed into the glass and she was sprawled out on her stomach. And it was, there was a scrum. Like, it was nuts. It was, everybody in the stands was just like, oh, fuck. Like, she got whacked. Was she okay? She was good. Yeah, she's a tough cookie. Oh my God. But did, did uh, Boston end up winning? No, they lost. That's oh my God. What the hell, man? Just rough days in Boston right now for hockey. Yeah. But. No, I've been meaning to go out to a PWHL Boston game. I've heard it's a, it looks like a great atmosphere too. I've seen uh the song is, is a great place to watch hockey anyways, but yeah. um, no, it's definitely cool. You know, to have a team like that uh, playing right up the street. So next time you go, let me know, damn it. Um, yeah. But dude, I was cracking up when uh, <laughs> Lobo's talking about the game against Dallas. He's like, Oh, did they win the game? And it, I was there. <laughs> I remember they won the game that he was at. Um, but no, that's it stinks that that's, you know, what happened with uh, with the girl. But at least the Bruins ended up winning the game. So the day wasn't a total loss. Yep. Um, to wrap up the voicemail line, we have one here from um, our brother in the UK, Johnny Drummondville. Uh, let's see here. Here. Greetings from the UK. Oops, one second. Apologies. Uh, my my volume was down. Oh my god. Uh, here we go. Good afternoon from the UK, you bungling, buggering Bruins blackguards. <laughs> Watch the Mantini game against the Kings. My goodness, what is going on with the Bruins passing? Not just egregious miscues in the Z zone, but calamitous turnovers in the offensive zone too. They pass the puck like it's a ticking hand grenade full of dog shit. Watching them spray the puck around willy-nilly reminds me of my second wife, Fanny, when she would try and play Ears NHL on my PlayStation. Her passing so clumsy resulted in her not receiving a qualifying offer and thus detesting the free agent market. Ah, my tank Oh, Fanny, I miss you. Yes, you were freakishly strong. I'm talking circus strong. But none of my other wives could carry the exceedingly large quantities of slate tiles up the roof quite like you could. 
So please, you Bruins blowhards, pass the puck with love. Be gentle, like you're caressing a fanny of your own. Till next week, turtle pip, you buggers! <laughs> Never in a million years. <laughs> <laughs> I never know what the next thing is going to come out of his mouth is. Never. <laughs> never. Oh my god. So basically Bruce have to fuck with love and tenderness. <laughs> stop stop passing the puck like Fanny. You got to pass the puck. Oh my god. With gusto. I've gusto by around. the way. Gusto by the way is a word that I have kind of um um, added to my vocabulary from Johnny. I've been, <laughs> I've been saying gusto more than I ever have in my entire life. <laughs> I wish people could have seen your face when you said that because you are so serious too. I, I am serious. I'm serious. <laughs> Thanks for the heads up. I would have been concerned if I had heard you saying gusto. I would have. I would have wondered if that was a new word in your vocabulary. <laughs> Just this morning, I said it actually to my boss. I said, I'm going to deliver this mail with a ton of gusto. And he looked at me like, what? <laughs> I really did. I really did. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, I need to think of a word to add to my vocabulary. Yeah, gusto I've picked up from Johnny. And I don't plan to ever stop. Toodle pip buggers. Buggers, <laughs> buggers might be one that's on next. You bugger. Oh my God. That was amazing. I, yeah. I tell you, I look forward to his. I think I told him that too. I look forward to his voicemails every single week because my oh. God, it's, I literally never know what he's going to start saying. <laughs> yeah, no. And they just get better and better every week. Oh um, God. But Hey, shout out Johnny. Uh, shout out Louisville. Shout out, shout out CJ. Shout out Tommy. Shout out everybody who sent in the voicemails. Um, really quick to end the episode as well. We'll we'll dive through some of these DM questions. Um, Do you want me to hit mine first? Sure. I have two of them. First one is from Connor. Connor is, I don't know Uh, how he does it, but he always manages to send in a DM right before we're going to start recording. He sent this in at, uh, eight o'clock tonight. So I guess we're in the middle of recording. You can follow Connor on Twitter at hang on, hang on, hang on at con underscore dog 26. Connor says, might be a little late for the pod, but what a win yesterday. It was ugly and came a little late, but a nice way to finish it off and finish off the homestand. Good to lose a few games now and collapse a little bit, then collapse come playoff time. Plus, this helps us not win the President's Trophy. Anyway, a little fun question for you. If you guys could be on the team or on the ice for one Bruins moment, what would it be and why? Example, Game 7 versus Toronto to be involved in the play. Game 7 versus Vancouver. Love the Paw Boys. Definitely got me pumped for Wednesdays at work. Let's go, Connor. Hell yeah, Con. Um, I I want to... Ooh, obviously, uh, I, I, feel like, I feel like Game 7, 23rd... What a question, too. But um, Game 7... 2013 Toronto's obvious. I would love to be in that game. Obviously, Vancouver too, winning the cup. I'm gonna go off the um, beaten path. I don't want to pick an obvious answer, but I have a good I, one. I believe if we have the same one, I'm sorry, but February 2011, when the Bruins and the Canadians were playing, and the, it was like an eight to five Bruins win. There was like over 200 penalty minutes. There was brawl after brawl after brawl. That game, 100% put me in that game. Um, 
Mar- Mar- I, th- I think Marshawn and Subban fought that game. Um, Campbell and Hammerlick, I believe, in the corner. Krejci had a fight that game. Tim Thomas and Carey Price scrapped. Boychuk. Boychuk. Oh, my God. Now I'm, now I'm going. Jack Edwards with the call, dude. Um, he's giving him the noogies. Boychuk wants to get his head off. He's giving him the noogies. <laughs> it was the, like, peak Bruins hockey, peak my fandom, like, 12-year-old me just going bananas in front of the TV, just yelling and screaming. Oh, my God. 8-5, to five too. That game. Put me in that game. That's a good choice. And I think mine is related to that game in some ways. Mm-hmm. But I feel like my game is that game on steroids. Okay. And it's the only example of any game in NHL history like this. Imagine yourself, right? December 23rd, two days before Christmas, Mm -hmm. Bruins are playing the Rangers at Madison Square Garden in 1979. Tell me you would not want to be in that game when all the Bruins players started climbing over the glass and just beating the shit out of fans. I mean, when Mike Milbury took that guy's shoe and conked his coconut, tell me you wouldn't (laughs) want to be playing in a game like that. I mean, yeah, like, you know, there was a whole bunch of penalties and it looked terrible for the Bruins, but like that, like that, like I think of like the malice in the palace in the NBA, like, those are the only two examples I can ever think of of NHL or professional athletes actually like getting in a fight with with the fans, and uh, that would be really cool to be a part of. Like, imagine like there's a fan like hecking like heckling you all game, saying some kind of shit. Who knows what they were saying? I mean, it was the '70s, man. It was a different time. Yeah. And like, you see one of your teammates go over the glass, you see two teammates go over the glass, and you go, "All right, screw it, I'm gonna go." Like, oh my god. Now, I'm not condoning fighting anybody, but like imagine being part of that game, climbing over the glass and just beating the shit out of some fans. That would be electric. It's not a goalie fight, but um, I think that would be quite the unique experience that nobody ever in the history of the game can ever uh, share that with other than the players of that 1979 Bruins team. And damn it, I want to be there. Not as a fan, obviously, but as a player on that team, taking off somebody's shoe and beating them over the head with it. Yeah. Oh my God. What a pick, dude. Uh, shout out, shout out to Connor. What a question, dude. See, those are the Connor. questions, dude. Those are the questions that I love. Really puts us oh, on yeah. the spot. Tests our ruins knowledge. Dude. And it's great too, because you and I, I mean, we always talk about the, um, the, the voicemails. We don't listen before we play them. Like the, yeah. at least for myself, the DMS, I never read these until we start reading them on air. Cause I like to be surprised. Yeah. I like to hear we come up with on the spot. So thanks Connor for that. That was, that was a good one. That was a fun one. Uh, yeah, okay. This one good. is from Jack. Of course, Jack, our other friend from across the pond. You can follow Jack on Twitter at a Jack B underscore. Oh yeah. Jack said, hi guys. A really poor week for the bees, which in true Bruins style means we just beat the stars. Arguably the most competent teams we've played since you guys recorded. I'm not one of throwing players under the bus, but Forbert really is piss poor, and I'd rather have the $3 million cap hit, have him sit out and give a prospect some time, some ice time, than see him on the ice. It's cool to see Brazo announce his arrival in style. I haven't seen any of the game yet, so what's he like? I imagine you've mentioned this already on the pod, however. Question for you guys this week. Over here, we've got loads of cup competitions as well as the league title to go for. Would you be open to a cup competition in the NHL? We usually operate on a one-match instant knockout process, hence we get some cool upsets. 
Just take this past week, few weeks, for example. The Bees would have been dumped out by the Caps, which would have opened the cup for a lot of lesser teams. I personally would love a Champions League-style competition where the top six teams from the best ice hockey leagues around the world play a knockout tournament. I think it could be really great for the sport. Plus, we'd see some interesting matchups and loads of fresh styles of play. Cheers. I think that that is a phenomenal question, but I think the only thing that will make that difficult is Jack mentions where the top six teams from the best ice hockey leagues around the world play for a knockout tournament. First of all, if it was just the best six teams in the world, they would all be NHL teams. And if it was yeah. one team from the top six leagues, the NHL team would win. It's it's not like it's, I don't really think it would be. And I know like, you know, anybody can win, but like, dude, if you had like the, I mean, who who would who's the most complete team in the NHL this year? I mean, take your pick. If that team plays the top team, the KHL, uh, I feel like it would be a blowout win for the NHL team. But I do like the concept. I think that's really fun. I almost well, first of all, I think what the NHL is doing next year, and I know it's all NHL players, but I think that's just because the best players in the world play in the NHL. Um, but the thing that they're doing, where teams play for like their country, I want USA, Canada, Sweden, and Finland. I think are the four teams where they're doing like the Nations Cup. I think that's pretty cool. Um, the Champions League style thing, I think, could be a lot of fun, but. Uh, what makes the Stanley Cup playoffs so awesome, for lack of a better word, is that you have four series, each lasting up to seven games long. It is the longest stretch of hockey, the longest playoff in any of the four major North American professional sports. I mean, in order to win that Stanley Cup and to lift it over your head, it means so much more when you've battled every night with the best teams in the league. When you, you, I mean, when the Bruins won the Stanley Cup in the 20, no, when they went to the Stanley Cup in 2013, they had three of their four series, I believe it was three of their four series went to game seven, which is a, a, an achievement yeah. on its own. I mean, to be in. No. Oh, oh you know, you're right. Sorry. No, no, sorry. That's my bad. My bad. Three of the four series went to game seven. And I think that like having that experience, like as a fan, as a team, as fans of the opposing teams in the series, like going head to head for up to seven games, I think adds an element to the, you know, the, I don't know what the right word is, but the excitement, you know, the wonderment of what is an NHL playoff series. And to be able to have four of those, I think is personally for me i think is more enjoyable than just watching single elimination although i do like the concept i think instead of doing something like that i don't know if the nhl would be interested or even how they would do it but like like a, a mid-season tournament almost like what the nba does how like the games count for regular season games but they also um are playing for an in-season you know trophy and there's you know uh an incentive for the winning team usually like money or something because i think it would be unfair if you were to have them battle for a draft pick or something um but if they could do that where like it's it's they don't have to play any extra games like the, the, the way the nba does it it's honestly a pretty cool system where they play a full 82 game schedule but there's a chunk of those games in the first third of the season that count as like seeding games. So it's a regular scheduled game. It counts towards their, their, you know, regular season standings and their record, but it also independently counts for their record within this mid season tournament. And I think if the NHL did something like that, where you don't have to worry about seeding, it's just like, I don't know, they randomize a schedule or whatever, and they pick the same, you know, chunk of games for each team. And those games are single elimination. And then maybe they can have a flexibility, you know, in there for like five games where they can swap games to make sure that they're, you know, 
playing the right opponent for this night, that would be pretty cool because it would always be like a mini playoffs in the middle of the season. And like, I know the NBA kind of needed it because players like, you know, they sit out and they take rests and they have a whole load management system. The NHL does not have that problem at all. I mean, you know, turn on any NHL game you want. You could watch the Blackhawks play the Ducks tonight. It would still be an entertaining game. You don't have to worry about anybody taking a shift off. But, um, you know, if, if they wanted to, another way to kind of showcase the best players in the world playing in those high leverage moments, doing a sort of like in-season tournament, I think could be a pretty cool idea. I think uh, it might have been Mike Grinnell who said this or Johnny Lazarus, but doing something with the stadium series, because I don't know if you caught these games over the weekend, but Rangers Islanders game at MetLife electric. And then you had um, Philly and New Jersey also at MetLife, I believe. Um, If you could, if you could make every year, you could do like a stadium series event where you have, a venue set locally where you have like, like they're doing it at Ohio state next season between Detroit and Columbus. If you could do something with that, I think it, you already have the, you know, the, the extracurriculars around the, the outdoor games, the winter classic, the stadium series, you could do like a stadium series championship um, tournament or something like that, where you have maybe in, in division, each division gets a stadium series that season. So say like, I don't know, you hold it at Foxborough for the Atlantic and you, you run through the division and you have a couple of weeks where it's just divisional matchups, get those rivalries going and do something like that. I think that could be interesting. The in-season tournament's interesting. Um, I just think the NHL should kind of find a way to be a little bit more unique to the NBA since they're kind of directly in competition and you don't really want them to just kind of not exact. Well, I mean, I guess copycat the NBA, you know what I mean? Like kind mm-hmm. of find a way to do something similar, but in your own way. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think there's definitely things that they can do. I remember way, way back when we first started the show, I think it was Zach's idea to do like an original six weekend. Yeah. We talked about that a few times too, but there's definitely things they can do to kind of have like, you know, the, uh, the global eye on the game. I think they can do a better job of doing that. Um, but yeah, no, I think they're all good ideas and I'm sure the NHL will not listen to any of them. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Um, but yeah, no, another great question, dude. That so- is, yep. That's it. That's all that I had. All right, so now we'll fly through these that we got on Twitter. Um, I believe we have six or seven. We'll start with Pat um, at Poolside Pat One. Uh, he said, on a scale of one to ten, how worried are you about the Rangers after their trademark midseason lull in January to now a big winning streak in February and then being two and zero on the season against the Bees? He said, I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> um, Rangers could be a good matchup. Uh, I mean, they're a good team. I feel like we'd stack well up against them. But the X factor being Igor Shosturkin, can you figure it out? Can you not? Um, he's kind of been below average for himself this season. Um, Blake Wheeler, news broke today actually that he did have successful surgery and he's pushing to make the team for playoffs. Uh, that would be a deep series, six or seven games, and I feel like it could go either way. I'm not yeah, worried man. about them though. Yeah, no, I, no, I don't know if I'm worried about them either, um, but the Rangers are a good team. Um, I, w- I was really worried about them when the season started and 
and uh, they were like running away with the best record in hockey when the Bruins had a bit of a skid there after they lost the the first place in the NHL to the to the Rangers. But they were also doing that without Adam Fox, which was incredibly impressive. Right. Um, but um, you know, I think of like what I want from a team in the playoffs. Like I want, you know, a good leader. I want a goalie who can steal you a game. I want a loaded defense. I want goal scorers. I want a heavy team that has four lines and the Rangers have all of that. I mean, they're, they're a good team. Um, I don't know if I'm worried about them over any other team, in the East, because like now you were talking about the lightning earlier, like they're, I, I was saying in the off season that like, I think that them, you know, they're, their failure last season, I think, would help them this year because they finally have an offseason. Now they're healthy and Vasilevsky's looking like Vasilevsky again. They're on fire. Florida Panthers now are, you know, they, they're one point away. Or they're breathing on the Bruins' neck for taking over the Atlantic crown. I mean, the whole East is loaded. So I don't know if I'm worried, more worried about the Rangers than I am over anybody else because, like you said, getting the playoffs and it's anybody's game. But if I was Pat, I'd be feeling pretty good because the Rangers are looking pretty hot right about now and they've been playing great hockey all season. Yep. So shout out Pat again at poolside Pat one. Um, jumping down to the next one from Ian Kennedy. Shout out Kennedy um, at Kennedy I five seven. He said, "How awesome would a line of the triple Bs, Brazo, Beecher, Boakfast look for the future? I think that would be a tough gritty line, in my opinion. I like it, dude. Um, maybe switch out. Maybe not switch out, but you could rotate Boakfast and Lauko. See what works that works there." Um, well, you have options on that fourth line. I like it. Yeah, I like it too. I definitely like Peacher there. He's been missed. Um, yep. oh, yeah. And that Brazo too. I mean, Mike, he's a big boy. What is he, like 6'5", 240 or something? I think Hockey DB or Elite Prospects, one of those two websites, has him 6'5", 220. Damn, yeah. No, he's he's a big dog. So, And I think that's something that their bottom six has been lacking a guy of that size who also i mean i'm not too familiar with this game i know if you're 6'5 220 and you're not using your body there's something wrong with you so i would like to hope that he plays physical um but he has a nose for the net too he one game one goal so i'm a fan of that line what do you call them the killer bees the triple bees triple bees all right i can get behind I that like it. i do like that nickname yeah yeah um, but yeah, so shout out Kennedy at Kennedy I five seven jumping down to the next one. Um, this is coming from Ali King at Ali King. Now he said three Bruins would be the, so three Bruins would be the perfect animaniacs. So I've watched the show before, but I'm not familiar with the character names. So I had to Google it. Um, I think first of all, Ralph, the security guard, Security guards should be good at defense, right? He's a big guy. He he should be physical. That's I mean, Ralph the security guard is Derek Forbert. Um Well, is is Ralph the security guard good at his job? No. Okay, yeah, it fits. Right. That's right. <laughs> um I forgot to say that part. Um next, Wacko. I feel like Wacko, the backwards hat character, I feel like that's kind of Jake DeBrusque. I just feel like he's kind of He's got a lot of energy. He's bouncing up and down. Like he's just it's, everywhere. It sounds more like, like Lauko. Could be Lauko too. Yeah, I think those are two good picks. Um, and then one more. I'm gonna say, hmm, Yako, the the main character, the main animaniac. I'll just say pasta. I'm gonna be honest. Um, until you we got to that last person. I thought Animaniac was remember those books from like middle school. Animorphs. Animorphs. The Animorphs. Animorphs. I thought it was Animorphs. 
I was like, like, uh, I was thinking like Derek Forbert, like turning into an animal on the, on the cover of a book. I was like, oh, shit, that's not what we're talking about. Wait, let's pick one for Animorphs. Um, I feel like Lauko, Lauko would be like a, like a honey badger, you know, like a little, like a little critter. Um, I feel like Derek Forbert would, um, Maybe like a moose. <laughs> well, I, I was gonna say because moose, moose are like you know like they're they're big and they're oh. slow, but they're really not that slow. What, dude? We're, we're missing the most obvious one. Oh, Marshawn and a rat. Marshawn and a rat. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Marshawn and a rat. That's the perfect animal. Like swimming and like a golden retriever or something. Yeah, something <laughs> like that. But um, yeah, so shout out Ali King again at Ali King on Twitter. Um, jumping down to the last two here, we got one from Laura. Uh, shout out Laura. She's been awesome. An awesome shout person to Laura. follow on Twitter. Zaka's biggest fan. Zaka's biggest fan. Um, give her a follow on Twitter at King of Ping 18. But she said, how do you feel about Shaddy in front of Frederick, Bokovis, and Sumac for the shootout? Also, no Zaka in that at all. I also think Zaka's face-offs have done pretty well last well with last night, with being the one exception, of course. I didn't see anyone talk about how he went 17 for 22 recently. Um, yeah, it was an odd going with Shattenkirk in front of all those guys um, in the shootout. When when they rolled him out and I saw him at center ice, I literally I looked at Tess and I was like, what? It was like, why is Shattenkirk going right now? I thought it was a joke. Yeah. I thought like, I don't know, like this was like his biggest dream to maybe get a chance to go in a shootout and said at TD garden. Cause like, what the hell was that? And like, and, and especially too, like to have him like go out in a shootout when you have Charlie McAvoy, like, right. and again, like McAvoy isn't like a, a shootout wizard, but yeah, I mean, he might be, did you see that goal that he scored? Holy shit. That's disgusting. Um, But yeah, I mean, if they're going to put out Shattenkirk, I mean, why don't you have Forbert go next? Why don't you have get Olmark off the bench? He can go. Can you have Swayman go too? Like, what are we even? What are we, do you want to win the game? Like, I don't know. Like, I, I thought like maybe, maybe. Um, I mean, I was expecting the unexpected. I think we all remember Sean Thornton when he went. You know, his penalty shot, the backhand toe drag. Oh my! Nobody True. in a million years thought he was going to do that. And I, and I was honestly sitting on the edge of my couch. I was like, here we go. Like, there's a part of Shattenkirk's game we've been missing. He's probably been going nuclear on the little little warm-up drills in practice but when you know warrior ice arena when nobody's watching and no he went in and had one of the worst shootout <laughs> ever seen and it was like oh okay no it's montgomery's just you know he's known for shaking up lines and now he's doing the same thing in the shootout too but um no he was bailed out by that charlie mcavoy goal that was absolutely beautiful and i'm sure mcavoy probably went back to the bench and was like dude why didn't you just have me go five people ago he would have saved us a lot of time yeah, no, completely. Um, and yeah, Zach, Zaka on the dot. Um, he's been pretty good. Um, he's been really good this year. We talked about it. A, 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 I think it was a couple weeks ago that he has a, a new career high in um, in faceoff percentage. I believe his faceoff percentage is almost ten percent higher this year than it was last year. Yes, this season, Pavel Zaka. Um, do, 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 do. I think he's at like fifty four percent. 50, yeah, 53.6%. Um, his, no. his percentage just goes up every year. Um, yeah, that's something that a lot of people kind of take for granted and don't really account into his game. But that's mm-hmm. our 1C, baby. 1C, um, baby. We'll defend him till we die. 
Nobody so, will defend him as hard as uh, Laura, though. <laughs> that's true. So shout out Laura. Shout out Zaka's biggest fan. Um, again, at King of Ping 18. Give her a follow. Last question here um, comes in from Arthur Vandelay at Wicked Bruins 37. He said, okay, so first I'm new to Twitter. And because of you guys, I've found Bruins Twitter. Shout out. Um, oh. I'm not sure if I should thank you. Or send you the bill for my therapy and anger management. <laughs> <laughs> Two, why are we not seeing Beecher? Is it purely cap reasons? Great pod. Love you guys. Uh, love you too, Arthur. Shout out to you. Sorry for the, you know, the therapy sessions that Bruce Twitter is putting you through. Um, um, well, either but, way, we're happy to have you here as part of Bruins Twitter. Um, yeah, hell yeah. And Welcome we, to the I community. Mean, yeah, you and I have talked about it before, how, uh, you know, we haven't really, well, at least I haven't been on Bruins Twitter all that. I mean, I guess it's probably been like a year and a half now that I've been on it, but I kind of just found it like you did. Uh, Sully, you probably pulled me into it, honestly. I was always on Celtics Twitter. <laughs> um, but it is cool. I definitely have lost quite a bit of hair in the last year and a half from ripping it out over seeing some people's tweets, but yeah. um, it's cool to have you be a part of it. And it's, and it's a really awesome community too. I know it can be extremely aggravating at times um, with, you know, people's opinions and tweets and all that, what it goes on with that. But it's also really cool, you know, like meeting people like you and I have met so many cool people from Bruins Twitter and, you know, people right. who have like yourself who have sent in, you know, questions and DMs to the show and called their voicemail. Like we talk all the time. Like how many times have you heard us talk about Lovell, the freaking Lovell line? Like, <laughs> you, like I remember like we, the first time I ever met Lovell when we were at the Bruins game, I was, I was paying for, I think probably beer and chicken tenders. And I heard like, a, yo, Mel, and I turned it was Lovell and I recognized his voice from the voicemail line. He's like, yo, Mel. So yeah. it was, it was cool. But uh, no, it's a cool community to be, to be a part of. And we're happy to have you here. Better late than never. That's what I always say. Yeah, dude. I met Lovell's parents the last time we were at a party. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, but, but um, <clears throat> why are we not seeing Beecher? Um, yeah, it's purely cap reasons right now. You would have to believe. I mean, the team is better when he's in the lineup. So yeah. in my, in my opinion, at least the face-offs it's- definitely help. He's a face-off wizard. Um, but again, that's kind of why I'm harping on find a way to get you you have to clear cap you're a better team when laura and beach are in the lineup and you you're gonna have to sacrifice you know grizzlick and forbert for that it might not happen this year and that just might be a reality that we have to be stuck with but um team is better with beach in the lineup it's just purely cap reasons right now for sure yeah totally with you yeah and it stinks that that has to be the reason why he's not you know playing but right like you said somebody's gonna get sent down and it, it he definitely didn't doesn't deserve to be playing in Providence because he was playing some great hockey up here before then. Yep, absolutely. Um, but with that, that wraps up the voicemail, the DMs, um, and all the segments we have today. Um, Boston Bruins right now, obviously coming off of that really, 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 really disappointing home stretch where they went two, three, and two. Um, they're heading out west. We'll do a quick, really quick prediction here. We'll do the next uh, next four games until the next pod recording. So. Bruins at Oilers. 10 o'clock start. I'm going to say the Bruins lose three to one. I'm going to say, oof, you know, I, I'm, I'm actually kind of in the same boat as you. I think they're going to get pumped. I think it's going to be a five. Oh, to no, two. I think it's going to be a five to two Edmonton win. Um, I, I truly hope I'm wrong. Um, but Bruins flames back to back, by the way. 
I think the Bruins get the revenge against Calgary. Maybe they don't empty the tank against Edmonton because they're waiting for that game against Calgary. They also play Edmonton in like a week and a half after this game against Edmonton. Uh, when is that, tomorrow night or whatever? Um, so I'm going to say the Bruins win that game against Calgary 4-2. to two. Yeah, I'm going to say it's going to be a little bit closer than we would like. And I'm going to say Bruins pull away 3-2 to two in a shootout. All right. Hey, a win's a win. Um, win's a win. And they, and they, it, Shattenkirk gets the game winning goal in the shootout. Shardy. Oh. <laughs> uh, then we go Bruins, Vancouver, Saturday, 7 p.m., normal start time for us here on the East Coast. Um, prediction. Uh, I'm going to say that the Bruins continue the trend they've been on. Four to three loss in overtime. Ooh, I'm going to say the Bruins are going to win five to two. It's going to be one of those weird things where they just play the really good teams really well. Gonna, you think they're going to catch Vancouver like that twice? Yep, and this time in Vancouver. Send Hell a yeah. message. I hope you're right. Hope they don't burn the city after this loss, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then to close out until next recording, we got Bruins cracking 10 p.m. Monday night. Mel prediction. Um, I'm going to say 3-1 Bruins. I almost went shootout. But I'm not going to be that ballsy because they've been kind of shitty the last week. Three to one Bruins. I'm going to say four to two Bruins win with an empty net goal. So yeah, there you have it. There you have it. A win's a win. Episode 80 of the Something's Bruin podcast. Um, I want to remind everybody we are in partnership with Primetime Productions. You give give them a follow on Twitter at Primetime Prods to keep yourself updated with all things going on in the primetime productions world um give our twitter account a follow at at bruin something no g at the end um give our youtube a follow i i we've kind of been slacking on youtube but every now and then you'll get a surprise short a surprise episode <laughs> drop too um but give that account a follow at something's bruin give myself a follow on twitter at underscore mike sullivan and give mel a follow on twitter at nick melanson underscore until next week, everybody, the Boston Bruins are 33, 12, and 11, 77 points, sitting just barely atop of the Atlantic Division, one point ahead of Florida. Florida does have a game in hand. Bruins are second place in the league, 77 points, three points behind Vancouver. Um, listen, don't win the President's Trophy, but do get home ice advantage throughout the Eastern Conference through the playoffs, and then, you know, whatever happens, happens. But – until then, everybody, episode 80 of the Something's Brewing podcast. I cannot believe we're 20 episodes away from 100. Um, it's been a long it's road. Hard. It's been a fun road. Um, back back in the day, getting zero DMs, absolutely nothing on the voicemail line. Um, Just brutal trying to put a show together. <laughs> brutal. Going through like centennial lists of our all-time players. <laughs> it, was, it was something. You've come um, a long way terrible audio quality terrible just everything but it was fun we were learning along the way with everybody so shout out <laughs> shout out to you if you've been an og because goddamn, did you stick it through um, <laughs> but but until then episode 80 of the something's brewing podcast um brought to you by primetime prods already went through the ads already went through the bios already went through everything um but again at primetime prods at brewing something at something's brewing at underscore mike sullivan at nick Molanson underscore and until then everybody we'll catch you next week bye um, excuse my charisma rock with a spritzer swagger down pat call my shit
Patricia, young money militia, and I am that commissioner. You don't want to stop easy, cause the F is my finisher. So misunderstood, but what's the world without enigma? Two bitches at the same time, synchronized swimmers. Got the girl twisted, cause she open when you twist her. Never met the bitch, but I fuck her like I missed her. Life is the bitch, and death is her sister. Sleep is the cousin, what a fucking family picture. You know for all the time, we all know mother nature. It's all in the family, but I am of no relation. No matter who's buying, I'm a celebration. Now 